Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and transgressions. And those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I get to have with my brother and sisters in Christ. That you have kept us, Lord, in good health and perfect peace. That you have given us, Lord, yet another year to get to know who you are, Lord, and to do your will. And we want to thank you, Lord, for so much that you have given us. So much that we can never repay. So much, Lord, that the whole world, you know, ignores you. While your grace and mercy endures forever. How you continue to be that guiding light, Lord, in the midst of darkness. And Lord, this day to us is just a regular day. It's another day that we get to worship you. There is no specific, Lord, significance of it at all, other than one more day, Lord, that you have given us because of your love. And I'm thankful, Lord, for everything that you have given this ministry. I'm thankful for my friends, Lord, that I've gained from it. I'm grateful that I got to meet others, Lord, who were like-minded and those that sought the truth also. And I'm asking from this moment on, Lord, that you continue to pour into their spirits, that they may draw closer to you, Lord, that they may know what it is to have Christ in us, that, that you are the hope of our glory. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm asking right now that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, contention, every antichrist spirit, every Jezebel spirit, every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of fear, all those things, Lord, that come against your body, Lord, lay them down at your feet, Lord, bind them for they have no place here. Let the Holy Ghost fall mightily upon us all, Lord, that we may live in your word, that we may receive all that you have for us, that we digest this word, we take it home, and not just become hearers of the word, Lord, but doers. For your word is a word of transformation, Lord. It's all about us being changed and being like you. So I'm asking, Lord, that you take this time, Lord, to give us that which is necessary, that we may do your will and bring forth the kingdom. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful. You are just and true and worthy to be praised. Lord, do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, tonight's study is going to be called... I know I always pick the rough stuff. Uh, it's called dualism and the deception of relativism. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to get into this fully is because, as we can see, as times are going on and us going through so much in life, that the lines of good and bad just seem to be blurry. I mean, it just seems like one big globule, globule one mess, where they're telling you that no matter what you do that is right, you know, it's considered somewhat wrong if it offends another, you know, and these are things that 
we want to separate today and we want to have an understanding that in this whole concept, whether you take it into common core, whether you take it into politically correctness, whether you take it into respect for other people's beliefs and their wishes, if we were to follow these things as far as the world is concerned, we would never do the will of God. All right. It wouldn't even be clear who we represented if we lived in this mindset. And every time we try to address these issues, people are always quick to talk about what love is. You know, well, then you have to love someone is why we don't do this. I thought love was telling someone the truth because you care about them. You know, and if you know that there are dangers that are seen and unseen and all this stuff playing on, then what we want to do is, you know, tell people the truth that they may receive it and walk things out properly with the Lord. So um, from here, I'm going to let Christina come up. She's going to present. And from here, we'll get into dualism, what it's about, the dangers of relativism. And um, yeah, move on. All right. So I'm going to start in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. So I've been kind of going over Philippians. I've read through it a few times the last few days. And I just really love this book. And um, <laughs> I mean, there's just so much that it goes over with, you know, sacrificing. Um, Paul made so many sacrifices for the Lord. Um, and he suffered for the Lord for, to proclaim the word and the gospel. And... Um, so this is kind of a story of um, how he did that in order to lift the Lord higher, lift his name higher, and um, set aside all his flesh and everything just to be able to serve the Lord. And I kind of feel this way sometimes, and it's just kind of, I'll explain a little bit as we go, but we're going to start at Philippians chapter, or chapter 1, verse 20. So, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. So nothing shall he be ashamed when it comes to the Lord. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Um, so one thing I just want to add on that and talk as I read the scripture, I've been struggling with is really separating myself from this world. Um, from what other people care about when um, at work, if I try to bless them or talk about God or their persecution against me, but really just carve out my feelings and not um, care about their judgment on me. And really what's, ha what's helped me is me imagining, and it is always there, is Christ literally right there on my shoulder watching everything. And he yeah. does. <laughs> He does always. He knows everything you do. Mm -hmm. But for me to really get this and to really push past that, like, is always, am I pleasing my father? He's right there with me, you know, and he's walking every step of the way with me. And if I'm not pleasing him, then I feel bad. I, if I just imagine him right there in his presence and his spirit, I'm like, okay, who do I need to bless today? Who do I need to talk about the Lord today? And even doing that work and at retail, it can be scary. And I get the mind, like the things in my mind, like, well, you're going to lose your job. And in my head, I'm like, well, I don't care about this job. So, I mean, I'm happy. I, you know, the Lord's going to provide for me. So I, I'm not worried about it. So I just had to really like carve out those negative thoughts that the devil was trying to implant into me to make me care about worldly things and about these people and customers um, who I want to bless and give the word of the God, 
um, or, you know, any type of message, whatever the Lord puts in my spirit um, to talk to him about. And since I started doing that, I've had some amazing things happen at work, some connections. I started mm-hmm. praying with some customers. And mm-hmm. um, I then I would just literally be, like, on this super, like, spiritual high, and I'm, like, shaking at work. I just feel all great, like, just so in the spirit. And I'm like, this, man, now I enjoy being at work. <laughs> you know, I have mm-hmm. an opportunity to encounter so many people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be just another person walking on by when I have a, an important message to give, you know, mm-hmm. the Lord, like we're supposed to be here. Like Paul, you know, he, um, proclaimed the word of God to everyone that, you know, he was, and he ended up being in prison and, um, was persecuted for it. So, so this is why this is kind of really passionate for me right now. It's kind of been something I've been working on. So to so 21, keep going. <laughs> um, so just don't be ashamed and be bold about what it is, because guess what? If you talk to a stranger about God What's the worst they can do? Deny you? Well, you don't know them anyway, so why do you care? I mean, it's, that, it's really that simple. Yeah. You know, ask to pray for them. The most thing they could do is say no, and then you say, well, is it, it going to hurt you? It's not going to hurt you. The worst, thing, the worst thing you'll do is nothing, right? It's like what Jesus said, you know, that, hey, dust off your feet, so you're mm-hmm. just following his commandment. If they yep. don't want to hear it, mm-hmm. just keep on going. And then it yeah. also just builds that endurance and humbling yourself and building mm-hmm. that lowly spirit, you know, mm-hmm. to not be puffed up in pride. Mm-hmm. So, okay, going on. Um, so to 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I will not, won't not. For I am in a straight betwixt, so like tug of war, going battle mm-hmm. back between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I love this, uh, verse 23. He's Paul is saying that he's in this tug of war where, I mean, the most um, joy we have is when we're in the fruit of the Spirit. And, you know, for me, it's when I'm praying and I'm fully with the Lord. And um, those times I'm just studying my Bible and things are coming to me. I'm understanding things like that is the most like happiest I ever am. And that heavenly time with your God, that's Mm -hmm. what he's saying. Like, that's much better to be with Christ in heaven is Mm -hmm. much better. So, you know, this life on here on earth, I mean, he has a desire to kind of want to depart from it mm-hmm. um, because it is, he does see, when you start seeing spiritually, um, you start pulling away the things from the world and you mm-hmm. see all the corruptness that is going on. Mm-hmm. But then if you keep looking, let's go to 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So for Christ, he's talking about this is more needful for Christ. We need to be here in the flesh and because we have work to do. We are servants of the Lord, and he wants to use us as um, vessels fit to use for the masses. He wants to use us to be able to proclaim his name and to bring people and save people and um, to help plant seeds into people about Christ so that they can, you know, be saved as well. So I think that's huge is even though we know we're living right now for the life of, um, you know, being in heaven and everlasting life, that... We have a job while we're here, that the Lord needs us here. Mm-hmm. And this is so important, even though it's not the, the happiest life this, for a Christian, this should not be our happiest life. It really shouldn't. Um, but when you find that where you're serving the Lord, you find so much, I mean, everything is taken care of in this life. 
And it's crazy. It's how like the lower you go, the more um, mm-hmm. you get. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, <laughs> I've been just experiencing it. Yeah. And I also want to quick on mm-hmm. quick point on that is that when you do get to that, like you were saying, sometimes the lowest points in this for the Lord, but it also helps you to endure the spiritual warfare as well yep. because you become more like a, a hardened soldier. Mm-hmm. So when the enemy attacks you, you're kind of like, yeah, I know. Yeah. exactly. You're yeah. training yourself mm-hmm. to be able to being endure trained, that. Really. Being trained, mm-hmm. yeah. true. And it's crazy because I've been asking the Lord to help me with that kind of stuff and throw me in the fire and, like, you know, just be out there and be bold with it. And sometimes I get really uncomfortable. I'm like, ah. <laughs> like, and then I'm, like, scared. of like, oh, this, I mean, this isn't a good day. I have to do this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no. Embrace it. Walk into it with confidence. Right. The Lord's there to strengthen you. He's going to have your back. He's right there walking with you. Um, and then also, like, I heard, like, Todd White say, like, why do we need a comforter, like the Holy Spirit, if we're not going to walk into uncomfortable situations, you know, to, and this is what Paul did constantly when he was proclaiming the name, or the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and preaching about God. So we are supposed, I mean, it might not, I mean, Jesus does offend people, a lot of worldly people. He's it's a rock of offense. That's yeah. what the Bible says, you know, because he's from heaven and they're of the mm-hmm. world. So he's going to have conflict. He's still got to, like see them with Jesus' eyes, he still loves people, and realize that the reason why they're offended is because they see with the worldly mind, they don't understand the spiritual things that the Lord has um, revealed to you, and that can only be done through relationship mm-hmm. with God. Um, so really just seeing that too. So going to 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all your furtherance and joy of faith. 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." Um, so right here, he kind of just tells us, you know, as Christians, as people, followers of Christ, our conversation should become of the gospel. We should be trying to talk to people about Christ no matter what. And people should know us for that. And that should be our fruit coming out. Um, and then, yeah, so one mind, one spirit, and like one body of the gospel on one accord. 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries with it with oh, sorry which is to them an evident token of perdition perdition mm-hmm. yeah, like destruction. destruction to you of salvation and that of god for unto you it is given in the behalf of christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer in his sake having the same conflict which ye saw in, in me and now here to be in me so, right here, it's just saying, like, you know, the Bible's telling you, as Christians, we will suffer for our cause. And I don't want to say that and, like, be like, oh, yeah, we're all, go seek suffering. But when you're suffering, there's things, there's some benefits of it. Um, your eyes are off earthly comforts and flesh, and you pull more into the spirit, and you're forced to rely on the spirit for your comforter. Um, it weeds out 
superficial believers too, because a lot of superficial believers who go to church and um, just want to hear the word and feel good for that day, but don't want to plant those seeds in their life and actually do the word. Um, they don't want to do the suffering. They just want the blessings of the word, but they don't want to work for it, to walk the walk to do it. Um, also, the suffering strengthens faith for those who endure, which we talked about, um, serves as an example of testimony and faith. So it's a very powerful thing to share when you um, are going out there and doing these things, especially with people when you're trying to bring them to Christ. What have you done in your life, you know, um, specific situations. But people love to hear times, you know, when people were at a low, low, low time in their life and Jesus brought them back up. That's inspiring, you know, and that's a lot of the gospel. Um, so suffering doesn't mean that you're being punished for preaching the gospel, but it's more like the opposite. It verifies your faith in God. It verifies, um, it lets you build character as when you're suffering for the gospel. And you still should be like joyful. You still have the fruit of the Spirit. And because that time that you spend proclaiming the, um, the gospel, you have the Spirit with you. And that is heavenly. That's a heavenly feeling. Unlike being in the flesh and not serving the Lord and just letting those people walk by, then, you, then you're living in the flesh. Um, so, also I wanted to kind of put a backstory to, there's Daniel 3, 15, 25, you can read on your own time, about um, Neza, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, you know, the king, you wanted everyone to bow down and worship to him. Um, in Jerusalem, and three men wouldn't do it because they say, I only worship one God, my God. And so he threw him into the furnace, the fiery furnace. And then, you know, um, an angel came, which was Jesus, right? No, it, was the Lord. it was the Lord, yeah, yeah. came and um, pulled him out and saved them from the fire. Literally, we're supposed to jump in the fire for our faith. You know, that's a sub I mean, they just want to sacrifice themselves because they believed so much. And that would be, ultimate suffering would be death, right? Um, to be with their Lord over worshiping somebody else. And they were delivered. <laughs> and then after that, the king said, you know, you can worship your own God <laughs> and blessed them. Mm -hmm. So that's just what I have for today. Oh, wait, actually, I want to read one more thing. Habakkuk 3.18. I'll just read it out loud. The Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief senior on my stringed instruments. So I just really love this verse. Um, I read this chapter a while ago. And it's basically saying, you know, through when you're suffering and everything like that, and you're on your walk with Christ, Christ is always with you. Hind's feet, anybody know what that is? Paul's deer feet. <laughs> it's deer. It's deer feet, actually. Um, I had to look it up. But it's like deer feet, and it's, it's um, symbolic for hinds feet or when a deer when they run or walk the front feet hit first but the back feet always hit in the same spot so i didn't know that i had to do my research but you guys can look it up but and it's symbolic for um you know christ is leading you and then you're supposed to follow in his footsteps he's always with you and following his footsteps along your path and along and he says also in this chapter in habakkuk um that you know our walk is not supposed to be easy. Never said it's going to be easy, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's, no. but 
we have Christ with us, and that makes us stronger, and that makes us be able to overcome any obstacle in front of us, whatever mountain is trying to challenge us, you know, water trying to push us back, whatever force, we have Christ leading us, and if you put your faith in him, you won't lose. I mean, it's written. If you put your faith, you believe 100%, and you are seeking the Lord, he will deliver you through anything. So, and give you the strength. I mean, he is your strength. Um, again, Philippians 4.13, you know, I can do all things through, strength, or through Christ who strengthens me. And then, um, and then he said also, will make me to walk upon high places in that same verse. So that's just what he's saying. Like following the Lord will help you walk along high places. So that's what I want to share. Awesome. <laughs> and we go to First Corinthians. First Corinthians three sixteen. And I'm just calling this we are the temple of the living God. Alright, so first Corinthians ten verse sixteen. Wait, three sixteen? Yes. Alright. Oh, sorry. No, it's cool. No, you not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So what it is saying here is that we are the temple of God. Um, God gave us this body to worship him in, and to use it to tell other people about him, to not to defile the body in what the world sees fit that we do, like through fornication and through, you know, drinking and other things that we should not do because then what we are basically doing is hijacking this body to do things of Satan for and for sin, for Satan, and not of God. <clears throat> Verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. And I'm just going to read real quick Proverbs 3 and 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So as we all know that the, the, the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. Well, it's vice versa. The, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Why? Because it does not please God in any way. It takes us further and further away from doing His will. And it keeps us trapped in this life to the fact that when you try and tell somebody about Jesus Christ, it is so far beyond their reality that it, you have to break down the walls in people's life and the strongholds, you know, uh, because either they were raised a certain way or they thought that they were a Christian and they found some other false doctrine to believe in. So in trying to do that, they think that they have all this worldly wisdom. And so when you try and present Christ to them, they think it's crazy or they think that we're crazy because we're bringing them the truth. So what it is, is that he's saying here is that let them become fools. Basically, break the wisdom of this world has to be broken down so they can receive Jesus Christ into this life so the blinders of this world can be taken off and so they can clearly see what's going on around them. Verse 19, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So individuals out there who are you know knowingly deceiving people that's what this is talking about they think they're getting one over 
but they're not. You know, Christ knows the thoughts of everybody. So the only one that they're fooling is themselves, themselves and the people that decide to believe them mm-hmm. instead of doing their own research. But God knows everyone's thoughts. So, mm-hmm. you know, he and Satan are the only two we can't pull the, the, the wool over their eyes. You know, mm-hmm. we definitely can't pull the wool over God's eyes. Uh, <clears throat> verse 21. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ, and Christ is yours. And real quick, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 1 and 13. Because Paul's making a point with this. Where are you going? 1 and 13. Philippians? No, Corinthians 1 and 13. Sorry. Um, okay, one thirteen. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none, none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized them in, in mine own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in wisdom, uh, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be none effect. So, going back to 1 Corinthians 10 and reading that is, is that we should not be puffed up in pride when it comes to the ministry. It should not be, you know, the ministry of Derek or the ministry or of anyone else it should be the ministry in the gospel of Jesus Christ the that's body Christ. the body of Christ and we are bringing forth Christ so, so what Paul is saying here is that you are Christ and Christ is yours if we have Christ in us if we are into Christ Christ is into us you know that's been said before and so what it's saying here is that we are supposed to be servants of each other in the body of Christ not putting placing one person upon upon another because that's how we get off track. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, us being the temples of God, we should keep ourselves pure. We should keep ourselves clean. Keep ourselves right in His sight. Stay humble. You know, stay lowly so He can fill us with His Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And like you were bringing forth, mm-hmm. going out, being able to, you know, talk to people about Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's what I have. Awesome. So true. The more you work out of your life, the more room, space you're making available for the Lord to fill the Spirit in you. Well, also, you both brought up great points concerning if tonight's study is going to be on dualism and relativism, because for one, when you speak of boldness, like Christina talked about, what makes you bold is the virtue, the truth of Christ that is in you. Because the one thing that the devil will do, and I believe that the Lord will do also, is if the devil knows that you have any weaknesses concerning representing Christ, I mean, he's not going to let you just walk through and gun down all of his his, um, demons knowing that he's got something on you. I mean, right away, he's going to pinpoint, okay, what were you doing the other night? You know, what's going on with you? So that will stop you in your steps. So when you are bold in Christ, it's because of the truth, that virtue coming out of you, that you know that the devil has no hooks in you. So the Holy Ghost can be bold in you and speak, you know, right to the point. So, you know, it's, it's either the Lord's way for us or it's not. But one thing he doesn't do is 
allow us to do what we want and then try and do what he wants. So that was the big thing about dualism is that it, um, we'll get there. So let's go to Psalm 101 to get started. And um, we'd always like to start with a psalm and then we'll jump right in on what it is, how the world relates to it, and how it's growing every day trying to push God's word and his will aside. Alright, Psalm 101, and it says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. So, you know, right away you just see the word perfect mentioned twice. You know, one is walking in a perfect way, which is a mature way, obeying the Spirit of God. And then you have walking within your house with a perfect heart. You know, when you have a heart after the Lord, or you have the heart of the Lord, then that's walking in perfection. Because walking in the heart of the Lord is selflessness. Mm -hmm. It really is caring for your brother, and it is loving the Lord. You know, those are the two, loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. Walking in a perfect way is being led by the Spirit. And see, this is why... A lot of people may not understand when a man of God or a woman of God is bold. Most people would consider that rude, but that's not what this is about. This is about the truth. Whatever the Holy Ghost feels like he needs to say in you at that particular time, he will say. We can't let our feelings and our emotions yield that from happening because those things need to be said. So, you know, this is a big part of what Christina brought up and what Sarah's bringing, what she brought up, you know, uh, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So, you know, it says to set no wicked thing before your eyes. A lot of us try and live in this world, and we think that we can walk in wickedness or seeing wickedness and it having no effect on you. We're wrong. And anybody that really knows what the TV was really made for, everybody can deal with that in their own study time. But the TV was meant to condition you. To, to forget who you are or who we should be. What would you say about the antennas? No, that was uh, someone that's uh, Curry Blake, a pastor he knew. He was like, I could tell, I will go by each other's house and see whose house the devil owns by the antennas because back then they had to have the huge antennas oh, on yeah, their right. horns. Right. Their horns, yeah. That's true. Well, it's right. also called TV programming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, and so... And that's a big part of it. Television does so much to people that will, you know, play video games and watch movies and we'll hear all this stuff about, you know, we'll see violence and we think that it'll have no effect on us. Mm -hmm. It's just entertainment. But the Bible's saying don't set wicked things before your eyes because even if you don't act upon the things that you see, it will desensitize you. Mm -hmm. So that's when you start to lose your normal feelings for things. It should hurt you when someone's hurt, mm -hmm. even if it's not your business, even if it's someone you know that doesn't like you. To see that person hurt should bother you. But, you know, we've become so, you know, hey, man, that's his problem. You know, hey, I've been there, you know, but it's it really does desensitize us. So we have to watch what we put before our eyes. If your eyes are the windows to your soul, imagine what's being stirred up in your soul by what you watch. So it says, I hate the work of them that turn aside. Turning aside is like backsliding, turning away people that are perverse, you know, going their way. He says, it will not cleave to me. But first he says, don't put the wicked things before your eyes, because those are the ways that things are opened up. Verse four, 
a forward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. So a forward heart, if you, if you guard your eyes, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, if you guard those things, you know, then you won't have a forward heart. It will depart from you if you have one. You ever realize when you watch less TV, you get more into your Bible, you get more into prayer, you get more into fasting, that all of a sudden you start to feel so different about things that you would do and wouldn't do. But you know when you're watching a little bit too much TV or, or involved in the world because this book doesn't become as interesting to you. It's like you have to force yourself to get into it. So that's when you're absorbing the world. So he says, I will not know a wicked person. So that means that anyone that you know that is involved in wickedness, that doesn't mean you can't try and win them to the Lord. That means to try and be with them and think that, hey, what you believe is fine and what I believe is fine, and somehow we're going to walk this thing out together. It doesn't work that way. It will have an effect on you. It's either going to change you or it's going to change them. And that's why Jesus says, if you go to a town and you preach the gospel and the person doesn't receive it, kick the dust off your feet and keep it moving. Because why? When you got two sides of things competing, it'll never be a stalemate. You're either going to end up backsliding or falling away, or they're going to end up, you know, coming to Christ. But that shouldn't be a tug of war. You tell them they want to hear it. If they don't, see you. Verse 5, and we can keep people in prayer. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that have in high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. So whoso slandereth his neighbor, the Bible is saying cut them off because when you slander people, a lot of things will come back on you. This doesn't mean talking about a situation and trying to get a situation right. Slander is kind of like you get into someone's lowest, dirtiest business and you spread it abroad. You know, it doesn't mean like if there's anything going on in the body of Christ where you get together and you say, hey, man, we need to address this because this is what's happening. The Lord's not against that because he always tells us to expose those things and, you know, deal with them. But when it comes to, you know, hey, guess what I heard? Such and such is doing Gossiping. this. The Bible says remove yourself from that situation. And the Lord is making me more conscious of this because even if I didn't play a role in slander, I always found myself standing around listening. You know, like, man, let's see what's going on. You can just feel <laughs> the Lord. always like complaining about someone else. Exactly. You know I mean? And you always want the, I mean, you can feel the Holy Ghost like, let's go. But you still wait, man, I want to hear this. So then he'll leave. So, you know, you just got to learn to remove yourself. So it says, um, all right, and high look and a proud heart. You know, high-looking people are people that think that they're above others. Very proud people. Proud heart. The Lord won't suffer it. You don't even have to be proud. You can look proud, and that's more than enough to turn the Lord off. All right? That's why if you go in the Proverbs, uh, is what is it, 6 or 16? It talked about six things that the Lord hates. Mm -hmm. Or seven. Yeah, I think it's six of them. We did a study on that. Verse 6. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. So what is the Bible saying? Your eyes should be on the faithful of the land. You should be fellowshipping with those who are believers. You know, you're supposed to walk in the ways of those who are faithful. When we read this Bible, we hear about the things of Paul. We hear about the things of the, that the Lord calls us to do. These are the people that should inspire us and that company that we should be surrounded by. It'll only make you stronger. Iron sharpening iron. 
So it says, he that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Walking in a perfect way is obeying the spirit. And this is what will keep us from doing good things versus God things. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times we'll go in our own way and think, I'm going to do this because this is how I feel it's good. And God is saying, that's very nice that you've done this. But I needed you to speak to a man downtown today at noon. And I told you to be there, but you wanted to be here. So what you pretty much you did was disobey. Mm-hmm. All right, the Lord said, that's a nice gesture. You gave out cookies. But I needed you to win someone to, to Christ because this person may kill themselves tonight. So, you know, you just want to obey. Mm-hmm. I just use extreme, so forgive me for that. But I'm just thinking of how bad it can be to not obey God. Mm-hmm. All right, verse seven. He that walketh, he that worketh deceit, shall not dwell within my house, and he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I mean, that's pretty clear. We walk in deceit. You're not even allowed in. And a lot of people think that they're in with the Lord, and they're not. They live lives of deceit. Then it says, He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I mean, you know, a, a Christian, we're really supposed to speak the truth, no matter what. No matter how it hurts, no matter what, you know, is done. This doesn't mean air out your dirty laundry. If there's things that you've done that you need to make right, some things you can only go to the Lord for. Some things you're better off only going to the Lord for because, you know, when we deal with carnal man, like you talked about the carnal mind and some people, you can tell somebody, yeah, you know what, the other night, you know, there's a woman walked by and I found myself just being attracted to her. Now, see, the Lord will say, you know, hey, I understand. Just strengthen your, your spirit. But the world will say, what are you doing, a minister down there thinking about? You know, I'm really skeptical of him now because when he said that, I looked in his eyes and I can tell he wanted that one. See, people get so religious and so out there that they can't even relate to the daily battle that we deal with concerning subduing the flesh. <laughs> Verse eight. So it says, "I will early destroy all the wicked, um, all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord." So that's the Lord pretty much saying that there are things that we need to, you know, get rid of. There, there are reasons why we fight so hard. There are reasons why the flesh comes on us so strong, and a lot of it has to do with what we see, what we hear, who we associate with, what we do, how much time we give the Lord. Okay, because that is your charging station. That's your gas station. The Lord is there to refuel, I mean, recharge your battery. But when you spend time away from the true vine, you will wither away. And the process happens so quickly that oftentimes you don't think that, you know, anything's happening. Like I'll give you an example. You pray for five minutes tonight. The Lord will say, you know, that's good. You know, he'll fill something with you. Then tomorrow you pray for five minutes. But the Lord was calling you for pray, to pray for 10 minutes. So I think Sarah said one time that if you're not progressing going forward, then really you're going backward, even if you're standing still. This is true. The children of Israel wanted to stay in the wilderness, in their souls, and God was calling them into the promised land, into the spirit. But they stayed there comfortable. So he said, you know what, turn around and walk there for 40 years. And that's the last thing you want to do is go backwards when you can be going so much farther, you know, be so closer in the Lord and doing what he calls us. All right, so what is dualism? All right, here's the definition right here. Dualism designates two parts and is the position that the universe consists of the opposing principles, though not limited to only two. All right, so they're just talking about two different ways of seeing things. 
But you notice he says, though not limited to only two. So what does that tell you? The devil loves to tell you, you can take course A or course B. You know, these are my two ways. But as you choose those two, then you realize there are 10 more upon each. You know, so he loves to draw you into, you know, just being out there. And we're going to see why this isn't good. So it says there are two variations within dualism. There's moral dualism. Uh, moral dualism would see the opposites of good and evil. Uh, personal dualism would deal with human beings as consisting of mind and body. So moral dualism would be like pretty much, you know, you see what is good and what is evil. But the reason why you can't go according to this is because Satan is blurring the line between that which is good and that which is evil. So what is our guideline if we're going to actually deal with dualism? And, and, you know, if you were to go into dualism and you have no basis, this is what they're saying. You have no basis as to what is right and what is wrong. Then how do you know what's right and wrong? So this is why we cling to the word of God in order to be our guideline to tell us what is. Because when some people say there are other religions and I believe that everybody's right and, you know, there's good people everywhere. Okay, so how do you even judge good and bad? The devil will have you all over the place. So that's not where you want to be. All right, so, um, yeah, the second is personal dualism. I think I went over that, human being as consistent of mind and body. So basically, it's what you see that is good and what is not good. All right, the hand says, uh, there are property dualists. The mind is a property of physical matter. The substance dualist, the mind is a different substance uh, than physical matter. These are just, you know, ideas that they're saying that go within dualism. Religious dualism is the belief that there are two opposite powers in the universe, good and evil. Some says, some say that this is manifested in the biblical revelation of God versus Satan. Now, you know, this is a big point too because people will love to say, my religion is no different than yours. We also believe in it. You know, I may be a Christian, I may call it one thing, you know, in Buddhism, well, you may call it a demon, but I call it a diva. You know, you may call it this, well, I call it a jinn. So um, they're saying that this is most people's view is why they cling to their religions, because they'll always say there is a God and there is a Satan, and we believe the same thing. But look at what they say here. It says, a common representation of these opposites is known from the Taoist religion as yin and yang. Now, you guys have seen the yin-yang thing before where it looks like you got the circle and you got the black on one side and the white on the other side. And on the black, there's a white dot. On the white, there's a black dot. Trying to say that these two forces are equal and they intertwine. Pretty much, you can't have one without the other. This is what they teach. Um, I wish I had a symbol of the yin-yang sign. I know they're going to um, put them up on the... Um, but a lot of it, you see it in like ancient... Um, oriental uh, beliefs and martial arts and things. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says dualism is unbiblical since scripture does not teach that the universe consists of opposites, uh, nor does it affirm that Satan and God are equal and opposing forces. So this is true because a lot of people will say if light and dark and, and yin yang or dualism is the same, then that means that you can either choose God or Satan and have the same outcome. That's pretty much what they're trying to tell you, all right? But that's not the case. So it says, God, according to Scripture, 
is infinitely greater than Satan and will eventually cast Satan into hell. This could not be done if they were equal and opposing forces. So you guys understand what that means as far as dualism? That, you know, they're, they're trying to tell you dualism pretty much just means there's more than one way to see something. And all ways are right. And as we're going to see, that's what's affecting even the education system. Even, even within Christianity, you're getting a lot of this stuff where some people feel like, well, I don't need to believe this and I don't need to believe that. And, you know, that's okay. They choose what they want to believe, what benefits their life and their circumstances. Totally. All right, so from here, let's go to Genesis 3. I mean, we should probably start every study we ever do off in Genesis 3 because <laughs> that is how big a deal it actually is. It just sounds like such a simple story, but, man, if you knew how much was in it, I mean, it, you would talk about it the rest of your life. <laughs> Let's go to Genesis 2, sorry. Genesis 2. Alright, Genesis 2, and I think we'll start at verse 16. Genesis 2 and 16, and it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day ye eat thereof, I mean, eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this tells you that the Lord had given him a strict commandment of eating from the tree of life, which would be what? Single-eyed. All right, we're going to get into that too, is why Jesus mentioned about having your eye single. But the tree of life is just one source of life, one source of knowledge, one source of just you and God that he flows through you and you cling to him. Sounds simple. And you got everything that you want. You live forever. You understand all things because God understands all things. All right. But he said the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Notice it had, there was dualism present there. The tree didn't have just evil. It was a tree of good and evil. So now you've got choices to do things. When at one point, if you just clung to what was what, everything would have been fine. All right, so it says, verse 3, I mean, well, uh, Genesis 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now the serpent knew good and well what the Lord said. All right, this is how the world plays things out. The serpent knew which, what he said not to eat. But now he's questioning, oh, did God tell you this? Because he wants to hear you. And this is why we should never dialogue with the devil. Because his mind is pretty crafty. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll, you know, they'll, they'll even ask you a question. So you're saying that um, what you believe is the right way, your God is true. If they were to ask you that question, and you would say, yes, he is true. And they would say, so, you know, this God of yours, you know, you're saying that, you know, he is, you know, he is true and he is love, right? And then they'll somehow lead you into other religions being love. Well, if God is telling you to love and get your God is true and God is love, then what's wrong with over here? Because they believe in God too. See, the devil is slick. And that's why you got to know to cut it to, hey, it's Christ's way or, or no way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why we got to be blunt. And then they'll call us, you know, you simple minded, you know, you close minded people. You don't see things the way other people see it. 
You can call me what you want, but the devil will have you all over the place if you interact with him like that. All right, verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, uh, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the, of, the, of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So right away he told Eve, you won't die. So he took away the fear of obeying God. This is something that the devil loves to get you to. He loves to play in your sensual realm. When the devil tries to get you outside of truth, he never just does it with head knowledge because it'll be God's knowledge versus his. So what does he do? He loves to massage the senses. He loves to make you feel good. There were friends of mine, you know, that are, that are involved in yoga that I told them about it. And they didn't want to believe me because they said, man, look at how built I am. Look at how in shape I am. I feel good. But the first thing people will always tell you when you tell them something is not of God, well, it makes me feel good. This is how I get started in the morning. This is how I feel. So what the devil pretty much did to Eve was he took her away from being God conscious and got her back into self-conscious. He said, did God say whatever? And, and Eve told him, well, the Lord said we won't do this. So Eve was God conscious because she didn't act on her own accord. But what did the devil do? Oh, God knows whatever. And, and on top of me lying on God, now I'm going to tell you, you will be as God. So a lot of these beliefs and things that we deal with are always about us. It's never about God. So this is where he tried to play Eve. Well, he played her, but... So it says, And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know the day ye eat thereof. Then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he told them they'd be like God. They'd know good and evil. So, you know. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. So if you look at this, you know, again, she saw it was good for food. What did, what did we just read in Psalm 101? You know, have no, but no wicked thing before thine eyes. But see, her not knowing what was wicked, the devil had to play in her senses. Because, you know, we watch TV because TV's entertaining. There's always something on that will be pleasing to the senses. And I'm not speaking against TV. The point I'm making is the devil even knew by using TV that I can get my will done through you. All right, so he'll always play on the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three places he even attacked Jesus with. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the, Lord, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So at one minute, they used to hang out with the Lord all the time. Now they're hiding from him. This is the very thing that sin does and, and wisdom of the world, which is what Satan gave them. You know, you'll find yourself hiding from the Lord, not wanting to be with him when you know that you haven't done what he's called you to do. There's a type of shame that the devil likes to give us. Verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? 
hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, um, she gave me the tree and I did eat. You know, this sounds a lot like the um, the world, you know, when it comes to the Lord giving us responsibilities and we want to throw them on someone else. Mm -hmm. This is a big way of what fallen man does. I'm not where I need to be in my walk with the Lord because of you. You know what the, yeah, you know, there are even people because of you, because of your teaching. You know, I recognize you go too fast in this and I can't understand. So my question is, don't you own a Bible too? <laughs> Seriously. But this just, I'm just saying how people can be. You know, this is how the world is when it comes to dealing with things. They don't want to take personal accountability for their actions. Exactly. And, you know, the Lord told um, them that there would be enmity between the serpent seed and the woman seed. Mm -hmm. And from this moment of disobedience and man yielding to what he, you know, pleasures in now instead of following the Lord, his nature became different. And this is where the division came in. So this is why you even have a thing like dualism, because dualism comes straight off the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You may feel good. It may have, you know, good medicines to do things. But Satan knows that if that belief system leaves you or takes you away from God, now I have a conduit to work through. So where a lot of people say, um, I'm, I feel good when I'm doing these different practices, you may. But the point is, is it's not attached to the tree of life. It really has so, no significance whatsoever other than to play with your pride and your senses. Mm -hmm. And this is why when you deal with a lot of people in the New Age religion and things, they'll always stick out their chin and, well, I believe with my beliefs and what I understand about my spirituality. You know, they try and break it down for you. But I'm like, the point of the matter is, has it brought you closer to God? And not one of those people can say yes. Not one of them. Do you know God personally? You go to any Buddhist, do you know God? Well, I believe in my philosophy, my way, the way I see things. So the answer to that is no. So where does that lead you in the long run? And, and this is what we got to understand about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. From here, let's go to um, Acts 17. Acts 17. We'll get into some other stuff, too. Man, I'm telling you, the tree of knowledge of good and evil will make you proud. I mean, you ever see how proud a lot of people are when you think you know something that the rest of the world doesn't know? Not even recognizing that these were the same religions that the Lord battled, the children of Israel battled, you know, back in the Old Testament. Well, it keeps people passive as well. And, That's right. You know, thinking that they're doing God's work, and you know, instead of standing up for the truth in Jesus Christ, their thing is, is that well, I know that God is going to judge all things. So, you know, is what they're doing hurting hurting anybody? Yes, it's hurting Jesus Christ. That's who it's hurting. And right. us sitting passively by is not helping the cause any. Mm -hmm. So it just detaches you from Him. What we're about to read is exactly what Christina and Sarah were both talking about. So we'll start at verse 1, Acts 17 and 1, and it says, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where the synagogue of the Jews was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul in his manner was, uh, went into them, uh, 
and three Sabbath days reason uh, with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must need to have suffered and risen again uh, from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude uh, of the chief women, not a, a few. Uh, but the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took, uh, took, unto, took unto them certain lewd fellows uh, of the baser sort, like the lower sort, and gathered a company and set all the city uh, on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out uh, to the people. So you right away you find some that believe these would be the people that were of God's seed. And then you have the serpent seed here trying to throw people off. They were moved with envy and wanted to go against them. So you look at verse 6 and it says, And when they found them not, they drew Jason, a certain brethren, unto the rulers of the city, crying that these have turned the world upside down uh, or come uh, hither also, whom Jason have received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Now, if you go back to verse 6, it talks about that from their viewpoint, from what these people saw, Paul and Silas came in to preach Christ. Christ is the only way. This is the way that we should walk. In verse 6, they talk about, man, these people have turned the world upside down. But what were they really doing? Trying to turn it right side up. They were turning the world right side up. Mm -hmm. But according to the perspective of those who've been walking in the dark, living in the dark, mm -hmm. thinking that they were enlightened by what they believed through their traditions, mm -hmm. that they thought that this was the way. So anytime you come with the light preaching Christ, speaking the truth in Christ, speaking the wisdom of Christ that the world won't receive, this is the perspective that these people are going to have. So with us having an understanding of this would be great to explain to people, hey, I know what you're thinking is going on, but this is what's really happening. Now, I'm not saying we got to go into long, you know, um, trying to get people to or like persuading people. But the point is, is this is the way that the world sees you. When you go out and preach Christ, when you stand on the truth, you will be seen as the enemy because... You know, they don't understand what you're saying. So that's why it is good for us to know this word, to be able to quote scripture, to have answers in this word, because a lot of people believe in the world that Christians themselves don't know the Bible. So what difference does it make? And they'll ask all sorts of questions about dinosaurs, about evolution. They'll ask so many things about philosophies and things that they've learned. And it would be good for us to know, you know, how to combat this using the word of God to have an understanding so you won't be stuck because there are a lot of people that have asked me questions thinking that I didn't have the answer if it wasn't for the word of God I wouldn't but the point is is that you know having some of this in me you know was it's quick to be able to you know when the Bible talks about the quickening spirit how you fire back well go to Matthew 6 and you'll see whatever whatever says this and the person's like man he knows that and you can almost see like a glaze come off their eyes like Man, I thought they didn't have an answer for that. And then they can either believe it or not believe it. But the world sees everything in an upside down paradigm. And this is why even when we come to do good, you can even feel like you're doing something wrong. Like, man, I, I know I'm supposed to be telling the truth, but I feel like I'm hurting this person. That's because the world is in you. You got to get that out of you and seek Christ and be single of it.
You know, all right, from here, um, let's go to uh, John 3. It's funny, because at work I brought up Jesus and tried to talk to probably about, like, 20 people before I even got anyone to recognize me <laughs> and, oh, like, yeah. talk back with me about mm-hmm. it. And I felt like, man, these people are just rejecting me, rejecting me, like, yeah, you too, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like, you know, trying to run away. And then finally, like, when I got it, I was like, yay! Amen. Yeah, that's what I love about Dick. Um, you know, he's one of the elders you guys have never met. Hopefully we'll see them at the conference this year. Um, but Dick, you know, Sarah and I would see him work. He would always come and visit us at work, but he's 90 years old almost. But he'll go to people, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And they're like, yes. And he said, um, have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? And they're like, you know, some people may try and laugh and joke about it. Man, Dick will look them right in the eye. Like, he's not kidding. Like, I'm asking you a serious question. (laughs) You know? I want to get some answers here. That's right. He's like, man, I want to get some answers here. You know, I need to know what's what. I'm going to take no for an answer. (laughs) Exactly. That was the old guy at Henry Gruber. Spoken the way, way, way. Yeah, she was there for that. She was, was there. Oh, you did see Dick and Marge. He was there with me. Oh, you did too, right? Yeah. I don't think I right. remember. The old, old couple. Remember when I got up to there. speak about, you know, hey guys, we should probably give the Lord, you know, his time. And, the, and there was another man standing with me, Super like grayish yeah. hair, like Dick, yeah. So he was there, and um, Dick doesn't play around. Mm-hmm. He's right to the point. Now, he's 90 years old. His wife Marge is, what, 89? You know, they're both up there, and these guys go out every day doing the will of the Lord. Now, they still got that hunger at 90 that I don't even have at 40. I mean, this is what I'm just trying to say, that it's like something that we need to really examine ourselves. These guys are living for Christ, and there's one reason they can do that. It's right here in John 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? I'm not going to make fun of Nicodemus here because I remember when I heard the term born again as a kid, there was just this feeling of jumping back in your mom's stomach. I mean, I had always thought about that. Even as a grown-up, it still didn't register to me about what born again meant. All right, what do you mean born again? All right, I come to Christ. I give my life to Jesus. And you think that that's being born again, but... It's not. Born again is, yes, giving your life to Christ, accepting Christ, but then there is a nature that we have that will slowly change, that you're becoming a new man and not an old man. So when you have that, you won't have the perspective as those who see the world upside down. Your world will slowly start to flip, and this can be uncomfortable for people. When you start to see that which you believed before just slowly being destroyed, and it's like now I'm at this point here, where I'm beginning to have new perspective, new understanding, and things are being turned on their head to where Christ is your head, and you see like Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to say that the born-again experience, even if you look at it from the physical perspective of being born, we have to be birthed out of the world womb. Christ birthed in us. Christ birthed in us. Right. Going going through that that trial, that, you know, 
travail and birth pains mm-hmm. to be born into Christ. That's right. And uh, any woman that's had children would know that sometimes it's not so easy, you know. I mean, it looks like it's going to be an easy labor. You know, head starts coming. Wait a minute, the shoulder's stuck. You know, breathe. You know, you got to get more to come out of you. Sometimes the baby turns around breach, you know, and you're like, oh, boy, now what? So, you know, there, there's going to be some inconveniences that the Lord is working out of us. <laughs> All right, verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So being born of water is your baptism. You know, it's turning away from the world and, you know, heading towards Christ. But in order to get there, we have to have the spirit. So when you get baptized, you know, they used to encourage people, man, you got to press in hard now because you want to be baptized in the spirit fully. You want the spirit to come upon you. And a lot of times they don't tell people that. So, um, there, there are no people that have been baptized in the spirit and then did the baptism afterwards. Sometimes that can happen. So Jesus didn't say, you know, like first, I think, let me get that right before he, um, I don't want to say what the Lord didn't say. Just and. Yeah, he says and the spirit. So you need both. One is the act of changing. The other is the actual transformation mm-hmm. that only the spirit can give you. Right, like not just being baptized because it's what your family expects of you, but actually having a full knowledge of, I'm leaving the world behind and I'm going into Christ. Mm -hmm. And you know when you're there because you are God conscious, you will go to a funeral when people are there and they place their dearly departed in heaven, you know, and if the Holy Ghost tells you to speak there, you know, wait, man, this guy just robbed a liquor store and I'm not trying to be funny. This guy just robbed the liquor store and got shot, okay, doing so. But now everyone's saying he's in a better place. He's in heaven. And, you know, I mean, the Spirit of the Lord may actually tell you to get up there and tell people, hey, look, guys, you know, we need to be like Christ. Now, some people would say that would be rude. But what are you doing? Okay, you might have hurt some feelings there. But what is the Spirit having you do? To not be ignorant and recognizing that, guys, if you think that this is what's what, then you need to have that glaze taken off of your eyes that you may see if you do this too, you will go to hell. That is love. And you got everybody there. The Spirit of God may speak through you and tell you, hey, you need to tell these people that this is not the case. Because when someone dies, we automatically want to put someone in heaven. But Jesus tells you, this Bible tells you what the requirements are for, for going to heaven. But their death might be the consequences of reaping what you sow, you know, um, the wages of sin is death. Right. You know, so we just, I mean, I'm not saying be rude, but we shouldn't paint false pictures of what the kingdom of heaven, what the requirements are. We're not doing anyone any favors by being relative. Well, I believe if you believe Jesus is your savior, you go. All right, but what else is there? What else did the Lord call for us to do? So these are things that we have to know. Mm-hmm. All right, so he says, Marvel not, or verse 6, of that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So you're going to have people that won't understand. Their perspective is seeing things upside down. Get into the spirit. You'll begin to see things right side up. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So when we have trouble and conflict, 
of how we should present these words to people, what we should do when you fight to read your Bible, when you want to do all these other things. We have to say at that point, we're not walking in the Spirit, because if you're walking in the Spirit, you're yielding to the Spirit of God. So when it's saying the wind blows wherever it listens, wherever it goes, you know, and, and that's what the, the um, walking in the Spirit is, or this is what it is to be born of the Spirit, that means that the church, all right, church wants to get together on Sunday, great. But when they break out from among the pastor, man, they're all over the place doing the will of God. You know, someone says, hey, do you know what I did today? No, I don't, because I was busy, you know, talking to these four or five people about Christ. And that's what it should be about. But see, when these people are like this, Christ is your head. You obey the Spirit. You might be nervous. Your flesh may try and fight, but there's a part of you that says, you know what, I'm going to do this anyways. The Lord is telling me to do it like Christina said, and that's the exact same perspective I try and have. The Lord is right here listening to everything you say. Every time you think of not telling the truth or going and doing what he says, if God is real to you, then you know he's standing right here with you. He's right here with you while you're fornicating. He's right here with you while you're out there punching somebody in the face, while you're out here, you know, at the local bar. He's standing right here with you watching everything you do. Even when you're lying. That's why people feel guilt when they lie. Did you know that? It's got nothing to do with just being a liar. When you feel guilt for lying, it's because the Lord is right there. I know you're not going to say what I'm thinking you're saying. I know you're not going <laughs> to say. And you, yeah, um, I make 65000 a year. You ever notice when people lie, how they have to, like, adjust to it? Like, oh, yeah, because, you know, I... I do that too. That's the Lord telling you, don't say it, you know, but it's just trying to, you know, work on you. All right. So to be born of the spirit is to follow the spirit of God, you know, have Christ formed in us. So, you know, this clearly here is speaking. Jesus is talking about there's a contrast between that which is flesh and that which is spirit. The two don't go together. They don't work together. The only time you'll find them working together is when the spirit leads and the flesh is following. But that's because Christ is formed in us. Other than that, we're going to have this conflict. Okay, so the two just don't go together. All right, so from here, I'm going to read um, a little on yin-yang, because I know people that are listening might say that this is what it's all about. You don't understand what yin-yang is, so I made sure I brought my paperwork ready for it so we can expose it. This is from the Jesus the Savior website. I don't agree with everything this guy says, but when it comes to this, he is spot on. So it says, uh, everything you wanted to know about yin-yang, thus saith the Lord. He's reading Jeremiah 10. It says, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are vain. Now you know what this is referring to, but you'll find a lot of people that will walk in their own vanity is why they enjoy these philosophies. Mm -hmm. Not following. That's what Eve did. Eve went right into what was vain. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I could be my own God. My eyes will be open. You know, so he spoke to her vanity and she accepted it. All right, so it says, yin-yang, the damnable uh, occult forces of uh, yin and yang are a lie. They do not exist in reality. The yin-yang symbol in the photo to the left, you know, that's yin-yang, mm -hmm. you guys have seen it. So it says, in the photo to the left uh, can be uh, seen almost any place one looks. It is used in logos uh, on book covers in the New Age movement in the martial arts by Wiccans like witches, by the homosexual community, 
and so forth. Yin and yang are considered to be opposites, opposing forces. Yin represents um, eternity, dark, feminine, uh, left side of the body. Yang, it is opposite and represents history, light, masculine, right side of the body. Yang is male, uh, positive, and represented by the sun. So this is also sun worship. Yin is female, uh, negative, and represented uh, by the moon, says uh, Paul E. DeSaltels. I think that's his name. I probably butchered it. DeSaltels uh, of the Jim Kingdom. So this is someone else's, um, what they say. All right, yin and yang dualism is the underlying satanic doctrine behind all of the following false religions. Uh, Chen Yi, Quang uh, Chen, Chen Tao, Chen Ta Tao, um, Cheng Zhu or Quang Zhu, uh, Fang Si, Five Elements, Five Pecks of Rice, uh, Shang Hang, Lao Zhu, Lei Zhu, uh, Ling Pao, um, Northern Heavenly Masters, Peng Lao, uh, Shang Ching, Mao Shang Sect, Southern Heavenly Master. So this is something that they understand that I have not a whole lot of knowledge in, just some. Tao Ping Tao, uh, Yellow Turbans, Tai Yi, uh, Tian Shao Tao, The Way of the Heavenly Master, Wicca, uh, Wu Tao, Ming Tao, Five Pecks of Rice, and Taoism. So people that were deep into this would know what this means. I don't know what all of this means, but they all use the yin-yang symbol. So it says, um, the symbol itself dates back to at least the 4th century BC and is by, has been identified with the Eastern philosophical religions of Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism. In the Western world, it has long been adopted into the symbolism of myth, magic, astrology, and witchcraft. Um, a book, Black Magic, White Magic, explains the yin-yang like this. Another ancient magical sign called the yin and yang first appeared sometime before the 3rd century in China. Uh, this emblem became a favorite of sorcerers and mystics throughout the Orient because it too embodies so many possible meanings. So, you know, this even goes into when people even tell you about the Bible. If you ever quoted a scripture and someone of the world who's not even in the Bible will tell you everybody has their own interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. That's not true. What does the Bible say? That this word is not of any private interpretation. All right. But that which is of God. When the Holy Ghost spoke to man, man wrote as he was instructed by the Lord. Okay. So this is a divinely inspired book. It has nothing to do with a private interpretation. People always say, well, that's your opinion of it. It's not my opinion. This is what it says right here. All right. So um, let's go to Ephesians 4 while I'm reading this because we're going to go there. Um, so it says, origins of yin-yang became associated with Taoism, a religion widespread in China several hundred years before Christ's incarnation on earth. In Taoism, the Tao loosely, translate, loosely translated as the way or the path uh, is the origin of all things and the ultimate reality. As is true in many Eastern religions, this concept is not to be grasped intellectually since it describes a reality beyond intellect. 
Therefore, according to Tao's teachings, the truth of the Tao can only be understood indirectly or through a process of enlightenment. And you know what? This is what a lot of false religions do, even those that call themselves Christians. When you talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and you corner them with what is, the first thing they'll tell you is, you need to come and see what we're about. You need to come and hear what it's about. When you ask them direct questions concerning their religion, they'll always tell you, well, I can't just answer that. You have to come and you have to see and you have to understand. Mm -hmm. Can't you just answer a yes or no question? But they don't want to do that. Why? Because it's shrouded in deception. Mm -hmm. You find this even with Mormons. You find this with the World Mission Society Church of God. They do the exact same thing. You need to come. You need to see. You need to discover. I'm asking you, did Jesus Christ come back or not? Well, you have to see and you have to discover and understand. Why? Because you want me to believe that he's Asahar? No, that's not you. the case. Right, exactly. So when they talk about enlightening, this is talking about having a way. And even Bruce Lee, for all the things that he done, he had that, what is that G can do, which is talking about the way, which comes straight out of this. It's a philosophy. It's a way to live. It's not about good or bad. It's your experience. So what did Satan tell Eve? Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be open. So what you say is right instead of what truly is. This is how you get a lot of stuff shrouded in, you know, your belief system, your truth and my truth. There is the truth, and outside of that is lies. All right, Ephesians 4, we'll start at verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech uh, you that ye walk worthy of the uh, vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So, you know, if people were to compare this to what they're talking about with the philosophy of yin-yang, this is talking about there's only one way to see it. There's only one God to believe in. There's only one spirit to have. There's only one God that's above all gods. So when you got these other beliefs trying to just, remember they said dualism doesn't just go with two parts. It starts in two, but then it just starts branching out all over the place. So everyone begins to do what they like. Verse 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he has led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, uh, what is it but that he also descended first into the lowest parts of the earth? He that descendeth is the same also that, is, that ascended uh, um, far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Let's skip down to verse um, 14. Or 13, and then it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So as believers, it doesn't matter what philosophies and things are out there. Our goal is to be conformed into the image of Christ. Verse 14, That ye henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, 
and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, whereby uh, they lie in wait to deceive. Now, I do believe that a lot of people that are in these religions are very well-intentioned people. I do believe that they believe in these philosophies. I do believe that many of them believe in respecting others, others' views. I do believe that many of them are taught to care for people that don't have to do things for people. So many of them are well-intentioned and very sincere believers in what they believe. So when you talk about the cunning craftiness of men, I believe whoever started the belief system that sits on top knows, but they'll use people and their feelings to, you know, believe that these things are true instead of understanding that Satan is deceiving them through their own lust, through their own feelings. But you see how it mentioned being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. If us as Christians don't cling to the faith, cling to Christ, believe in this one God, believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, because the Bible says that, look at where we would be. Jesus is cool, but so is Buddha. So is Muhammad, you know? I mean, think about it. They all did good things for their people. That doesn't matter. Now, there's so many things that you can compare to other religions to Christ. It's not even close. He wipes the floor with them. But I mean, if you're trying to address people in a carnal standpoint, you know, they will say, well, my um, prophet did good things too. But they always seem to blank out what's in the spirit. What's the, what's the reason of our existence? Why are we here? What is the end of all this stuff that goes on when we get judged at the end of time? You know, and these are things that the world likes to blank out because with many of these philosophies, they teach us reincarnation. Okay, you get to come back and be somebody else. Where the Bible says it is permitted for man once to die and after that the judgment. So reincarnation will have people thinking, well, in my past life I, I was like this, but now I'm here and then I've got another one. And I can be a dung beetle because of my sin, but after that life then I'll become a little Dutch boy. And then I'm somebody else. You and then I'm, don't learn your what you're supposed to learn so you come back and... Yeah. And he just Who says you're going to do it again? Exactly. Not do the same thing. My like mother believes in it. Exactly. You know, so, I've heard a lot about it. Mm -hmm. so, Lessons in life. If you don't get them, then come back and... <laughs> mm -hmm. So what they try and do is blink the distinction between what God wants and what the world wants. And this is what they're doing. The reason why most religions don't believe in that real hell and that Jesus is the only way is because they feel like it's not fair. Well, they're judging that from carnal minds. They're not judging that from what God is saying. You know, so it takes a spiritual mind to understand. Because I found even a lot of so-called Christians will say, well, I don't believe God would send anybody to hell. Then you haven't been reading this Bible. Yeah. Because this is telling you what's what. But some people believe God will never do that. He loves us all. And that's being blown around by every wind of doctrine. I've heard people say that because they think that because God didn't stop Adam and Eve in the garden from making the decision that why would he cast him in the hell? Well, the answer is is that he's not a dictator and he gives us all the freedom to choose. We all have a free will. Right. And, you know, if the Lord will leave you to your lust if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he does have the grace to come upon everybody. And I think what's plagued a lot of Americans with this other religions, if they would be honest, and people in other countries, if they would be honest, they would know that what I'm about to say is true. America feels that it's not fair that someone might have grown up a Buddhist, 
never knowing Jesus Christ, never hearing about the gospel, and then God would just send them to hell. They would hate to believe that Muslims have come up in their belief systems, you know, and, and the gospel never got to them. So why would God want to do that? The fact of the matter is, the belief in Christ is everywhere. Real Christians are persecuted in other countries for standing on the truth of Jesus Christ. Missionaries are everywhere. Everybody's preaching the gospel. But many people are, are in their traditions, and this is what they prefer. So this is why it spread so big in America. Because Americans were told, man, well, they grew up in that. Now, they're just going to go to hell for not knowing Christ. The teachings of Jesus Christ are everywhere. The Bible is translated in all religions, all languages. Okay, so when people want to talk about that the Bible is not the way or why would God send someone to hell, that's trying to, you know, be sensual and, and trying to bring understanding. The gospel is everywhere. Doesn't it say, too, that your um, sins and transgressions can stick with your, for generations, like stick with your family? Oh, yeah, idolatry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, even that, like, if your family is fully into a different practice mm -hmm. and you get born into it mm -hmm. and you don't ever try to seek something else, I feel like there'll still be some type of void in you exactly. that's telling you something. And mm -hmm. So, if you don't take personal accountability to, like, like, listen to that voice, then that is, you know. Exactly. God will never be called a liar at the end of time. He will never be looked at like he's nothing or, you know, he wasn't fair. The gospel is preached everywhere. There are people that will see Buddhists and the people of other religions, man, and preach their heart out. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, thank you. You know, bow. Thank you for your understanding. I have mine. Now, you would think, man, that's being polite. You know, so this guy's got to be a man of God because he's bowing. He's thanking someone for what they've offered him. But I have my way. So, you know... <laughs> I mean, that, that's what's going to fool a lot of people is believing, okay, thank you for your insight. It goes beyond insight, buddy. There is one way to walk this out. There is one spirit you better have at the end of time. And there's one thing that you better know is that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is your Savior. Mm -hmm. All right, so I'll continue uh, with this. So it says, but speaking the truth in love uh, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase in the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, so a lot of people will do a lot of things that just seem so good. But when you understand that it's all about Christ and that Satan controls everything that is outside of Christ, then you do a lot of things, a lot of work in vain. You know, carrying a large cross, dressed in a kilt with the Pope up at, you know, he's up there at the altar and you got the bishops and cardinals walking. You're doing all of that for nothing. Praying five times a day to the east, all of that is for nothing. When you talk about, you know, believing in many different gods and respecting everybody's views, all those things are done for nothing if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Now, these are things that men make up, you know, in their own vanity. All right. So, um, so it says, walking as the Gentile walk in the vanity of their own mind. Now, look at 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, 
So think about what happened to Adam and Eve when it talked about alienated from the life of God. This is what Satan did to them. He alienated them from the tree of life and told them that they can receive the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's what it was really about. You know, he tried to make them independent of God, stepping away from the vine into all this philosophy that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's either life or death. All right, so it says, um, verse 19, who being past uh, feeling, who, who being past feeling, have given themselves unto all lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If ye, if so be that ye have learned him, or you have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off uh, concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, and that which he put on the new man, uh, which after, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Notice how it said true holiness, not the appearance of holy, not the appearance of godliness, but what true holiness is, because true holiness is in Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to read a little more of this, and then we'll um, move on. So it says, happiness is gained by living in the flow of the Tao, which is of the flow of the universe. This belief has no personal God. Where do the yin and yang come in? Through the dynamics of yin and yang, the female and male cosmic principles, the Tao creates all phenomena. phenomena um, whereas the Tao is perfectly harmonious, uh, the cosmos is in the state of constant uh, disequilibrium, uh, spirituality by the numbers. This is George Fairstein. Um, one well-known uh, witch, Sybil Leek, who is called the mistress of the occult, proclaims that the yin-yang theory is an idea that inspired such things as Chinese boxing, breath control, and yoga, meditation, and use of special herbs, uh, and some rather erotic sexual exercises designed to nourish the yang uh, with the ying. She adds, crucial to Taoism is the idea of yin and yang. According to the ancient Chinese philosophers, in the beginning of Tao, but then Tao separated into two prime principles, yin, yang, and yin. And from that, uh, many combinations of yang and yin, everything else that is in the world has emerged. So, you know, this is even trying to have a different creation outside of what God designed. And they make their God very impersonal. This is when, when you hear people, even in church, a lot of pastors will do this. They'll say, when you're out there preaching the gospel, the whole universe will, will respond to what you're doing. They're teaching New Age garbage because anytime you speak of the universe and you don't speak of Christ, basically you're giving it over to Satan. It just happened. It just was. So you can't believe in a creator because if he's the source, then everything flows from there. So instead of talking about Jesus, they give this force to yin and yang. And in some ways they're right because this knowledge comes out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So this is the source of where all these belief systems come from instead of seeking Jesus who is the way, who is the tree of life. Does that make sense or am I confusing you guys even more? But remember they said that the yin-yang was adopted 
by um, even the homosexuals. But here they were talking about sexual positions that people would have. So you understand that in yin and yang, there is no right and there is no wrong. It's whatever you feel is right, you know, do it. It's your way of life. So this is being promoted everywhere we go with everything like, we do. All right, this is kind of like gross to say, but 69 too, and that's sodomy, right? Oh, yeah, it is. Yang. Totally. But it's like a nine and a six. Yeah. has the holes. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that came right out of, the, um, uh, what do you call it, yin and yang. The same belief system. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's see what God thinks about concerning this. So they're trying to blur lines of, you know, what the Lord wants and what man wants. Right. We'll start at verse 15. Well, 14 is even better. It says, uh, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which, it, which we bless, um, it is not uh, the communion of the blood of Christ. I mean, is it not of the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, uh, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they uh, which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. What I say then, that the idol is anything, or that which um, is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. So in other words, if we break the bread for Christ, this is he's speaking to the church people here. If we break the bread for Christ and the communion is the body of the Christ, then this thing is supposed to be Christ-centered. Not in your philosophy and your beliefs, what other people are talking about, the way they feel. Verse 20, But I say that uh, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would, I mean, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils, Ye cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and, and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So the Lord here is speaking of separation. The Lord is speaking of, hey, if you're drinking from that cup, then you ain't going to have any yin-yang action going on here. If you're of the devil and I'm, you know, and uh, my spirit is holy, then I can't be associated with that which is unholy. But these guys are trying to twist light and dark. And I remember my dad, because he was in the arts for years, he talked about how martial arts has this um, thing of passive aggression. You know, like in other words, how they would explain it in the art, if your opponent is passive, then you become aggressive. You go into attack mode because they're passive. But if they should get aggressive, then you can be passive and defend yourself that way. And, and, and a person that really understands the arts or wrestling would understand this. When your opponent is trying to pull you to the ground with all his force, now you can either try and resist, but if you can't, you take him down with his momentum. You know, so it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to be aggressive. So it, it's kind of like a dancing that they even do concerning the arts. 
It's the same way you find a lot of this done in like verbal jujitsu. When people think that by doing that, that they're actually helping a situation, really you're making a fool of a person in some ways and you're gaining control. You're gaining control without the person knowing. When you look at books like The Art of War that hold on to these philosophies about yin and yang, they'll say, oh, well, you let your opponent do this so that way you'll have more control. It's still a means of control. All right, you got to walk this thing out the way that the Lord wants us to in righteousness and faith and love or pretty much you're just deceiving others to gain control by on the outside making it look like it's clean. And this is why you find a lot of jargon in, in, in churches. You got pastors doing a lot of motivational speaking. Joe Osteen, these guys out there telling you live your best life now. So he's bringing you into the carnal, into the natural. And he's trying to tell you that Loving the world and loving Christ are the same. So you see how even his belief system has the whole yin-yang thing? Because he's talking to you about having a better life here when a Christian is supposed to be seeking a better life after Christ. You know, storing your affections in heaven. So, you know, the Lord is speaking of us being different, not walking in those ways. Let's go to Second Corinthians um, chapter 11. Let's start at verse 14. This is all going somewhere, guys, I promise. <clears throat> no, it's, um, oops, I made a mistake. Let's see. I'm in the wrong place. What am I looking for? One second, guys. You guys can speak if you want. It's 6. 6. 2 Corinthians 6. 6. We'll go to verse 14. There we are. Enemy trying to scramble my mind. This whole yin-yang thing is confusing now. I mean, this is how relativism has you. We have you all over the place. All right. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Or what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is another name for the devil. Or what part hath um, he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of, of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So this is telling us here that God has no fellowship with darkness. I mean, it's either God's way or it's a serpent's way. So there is no in-between here. But it's just funny how what Sarah brought up as far as the temple is concerned, we were meant to glorify God. So if we're in false religion, believing in other things, you'll never reach your full potential in the spirit with Christ. You will be the image of, you'll be Satan's temple, where he likes to express himself through. So we need to really follow the ways of the Lord, because if we ever want to be where we are, you know, the Lord will, we have to just wipe things out of our lives. The Lord will tell you what those things are, too, because um, 
there were many times in order for the spirit to come upon me, I had to get rid of a lot of things I didn't want. Mm -hmm. Like I was still um, holding on my art of war books and things like that. The Lord said, get rid of that trash because it's just not of his spirit. So, you know, I had to throw that stuff away, do other things, you know, try and get closer to the Lord. He's even been on my case about some of these martial arts movies and things that I've watched and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've hung on to them. I've known them for years. And I think he's telling me, you know, pack them up, throw them out. Because every now and then with those movies, you find yourself into, they'll talk about some dark arts or yin-yang or something. And if they're associated with that, then there's just some things we just got to get rid of. You know, and that, I mean, if it hurts, then that means that there's a part of my flesh that wants to hang on to them. So, you know, you want to make sure you hear him clearly. Or I have a question. You do something, yeah. Because you're saying this. Yeah. Okay, so, um, me and Caroline, like, went to go see the movie Mona. Mm -hmm. And there's, um, it's a Disney movie. Oh. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, so like, the, there's, the Hawaiian, yeah, the Hawaiian oh, one, yes. Yeah. Well, basically, I mean, we were just seeing, like, as we're watching it, like, so much, like, spiritual stuff, but being deceived, like, um, in the movie, like, worshiping yeah. other gods and women being, like, um, the queen of everything, and, like, there was just, like, I mean, all this stuff in there that we were realizing, and then Carlin's like, I don't know if we should be going to the movies anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord. I was like, well, I don't know. I think if we are, like, looking at it and learning from it and seeing what it is doing to society and that we're not, like, indulging in it all the time, mm -hmm. then, um, you know, I don't understand if it's if we shouldn't be doing it or what. Like, what do you say? What would you say? Pray about it. <laughs> well, you know, we did start it out with, I was saying a wicked thing before my eyes. <laughs> no, but um, if you're there to expose it, then, I mean, there's nothing wrong. It, it really depends on what your spirit is mm -hmm. with the Lord. If you're somebody trying to find your way still and you can be deceived, mm -hmm. I would stay away from it. You know, because I can watch a movie that's whatever, and say, man, look at this. Mm -hmm. Look at what they're doing right here. You know, through the whole movie, and it has no effect on me because yeah. I'm exposing it. That's why friends of mine I had don't like to watch movies with me because I'll talk all the way through that movie. Yeah. I'm tearing down everything that's in it. Well, everybody is, man, this is so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but look at the, the 666 right there backwards. <laughs> right, yeah. So that's people weird. are like, oh, boy, I don't even want to see it. You know, so, hey. <laughs> You, know, you want to watch a movie with me, be prepared that I'm going to talk all the way through it, exposing what's in it. Right. You know, you will never enjoy a, a worldly movie with me. Entertainment perspective, you see it because of what, what is it, the Kabbalah? Mm -hmm. Where basically this is, they have to explain what they're doing, mm -hmm. regardless if we pick it up or not. Right, you but know? they're always telling you yeah. um, in their movies what's what. You know, they tell you what they do, and they love to sit back and make fun of us because they know a lot of times we don't know what's going on, but you guys actually did. Mm -hmm. So you guys were picking up what was in it. So that was the Holy Ghost revealing things to you. I know. He's like, this is for kids? <laughs> I was just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw a TV show like was for kids, and it's all making vaccines look good mm -hmm. and attractive and like you're weird if you don't get your vaccine, like, all mm -hmm. stressed. Yeah, it's just so programmed. Oh, yeah. Like, can't believe people let their kids watch that. That's what they're doing today, even with the homosexual thing, you know? <clears throat> everybody's gay, everybody's happy, they're in love, they, they adopted the flag, they're doing all this. Mm -hmm. But then it comes down to it, like, okay, are you really happy? What's really going on? Did you know that this was against God? Did you know that 
many people in that lifestyle don't live above 40. You know, did you know this? You know, and you tell people that stuff and people don't want to hear it right away. You are a hater. You hate the homosexual. You're homophobic. So the world will always try and make you feel like you're doing something wrong when you're trying to expose the truth in it. You know, but again, they have that upside down view of things. So, you know. My last day at work before the holidays, so mm -hmm. it must have been Friday. Mm -hmm. um, uh, two women, probably my age, um, were together and then the spiky hair. And they were very polite. And mm -hmm. I was always polite. And then one of them said, we just got married yesterday. And I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, I'm just doing mm. their groceries. Did you find everything you needed? Why'd you tell me that? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, congratulations. I thought, that is... Why me? But see, that's the Why enemy. Me? That's the enemy daring the people of Christ. That's the enemy imposing his will on you, daring you to speak that. up. No, I know exactly. But that's how he works. Yeah. He'll they'll start presenting things with you on purpose, and we got to ask ask the Lord, what's our responsibility in this? What do you want me to say right now? Because yeah. I can feel when the enemy is tempting me, like he's trying to get you to. Yeah, go ahead and say oh, yeah. it. Do you know, know the Bible? Do you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> For one man and one woman? Right, because I'm very much like Schombach. Don't ever tell me to not say anything. I'm going to say what needs to be said. All right, Ephesians 5. Well, it's propagated in, you know, every single TV or movie that you've watched is propagated now in some way, shape, form, or another. So people get e eased into it, mm -hmm. and they don't think there's anything wrong with it. Because it's like, you can't watch anything today without, you know, seeing two women kiss. And it's just like, why is that necessary for them to put it in there? But it is a part of the programming. They want you to get comfortable with it so you, no one can say anything against it. So I have a Trekkie from way back, and uh, I bought the new Star Wars movie. Not Star Wars, but Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized that at the, where, like, where, you know, where the controllers are in front of the captain, oh, two yeah. places right there, one was a, like a, a gay man with boobs. <laughs> was it? Yeah, and I said, oh my gosh, there's a transvestite. That's why we're going to discuss <laughs> this too, on because... The, on the ship. <laughs> this is the best oh, mix like, I, haven't, I haven't gone back to look at it yet. Right. It's just it's freaking me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's exactly the truth, though. I mean, it's just. It is. Oh, it, it, it's a man with boobs. Everything it's is just being clothes. changed. Mm -hmm. What are, they, they're calling, what are they calling people oh, like transgender? Like that's the new thing now. Mm -hmm. But really it's just called cross-dressing. Like Pretty much. 50 years ago it was just called cross-dressing. Right. <laughs> now it's mm -hmm. transgender. Like it's an acceptable. I, it yeah. has to do with identity though. Like a mm -hmm. lot of like they start identifying as a woman and we say that's okay. But if a cat identified us with a dog, we'd be like, you're an idiot. You're a cat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No matter how much you want to be a dog, you're still a cat. You can play with them. You can have fun with them, mm -hmm. but you're still a cat. No, Vinny's right. Because the thing is, is, you know, and a lot of people with that lifestyle, I know a lot of them are probably well-intentioned too. So I think that when you mention it, they start talking about like you're evil or you hate it's not a thing of hate. It's a thing of right and wrong. So a lot of them say, why can't I love? Why can't I do this? But I mean, you know, you guys have to look at 
what is natural versus yeah. what isn't. I want anybody listening that is homosexual, look at your relationship and you ask yourself if this is natural. You ask yourself if the parts of you accommodate the parts of your partner or are there things that you have to do unnaturally just to try and have that love. So it's like an artificial love, artificial lifetime. And I'm not hating anybody. I just want them to understand. And, and, and for those other um, ones that want to be honest, you ask yourself why one of you has to play the woman and the other has to play a man. Because even something that is in you knows that God's way is correct. And they just need to think about it. They need to really think about this. Do you realize that you yourselves have come out of a natural relationship where there was a man and a woman that produced you? If they were thinking like you and into what you were into, do you realize that you would not exist? So you know that God's way is the correct way. Get to know Christ. He'll take away the lust and the things that are in your life that are not right. I am no different than you if I'm sinning and you're sinning. This is all about pursuing holiness and knowing Jesus Christ. All right. So it says um, the yin-yang symbol is one of the easiest to recognize and understand. It represents the two opposites, conflicting forces found in every action and which are responsible for the dynamic universe. The yang and yin operate in the universally primarily, uh, oh, in the universe primarily through the agency of the five elements, Earth, Saturn, water, Mercury, metal, Venus, wood, Jupiter, and fire, Mars. These elements under the uh, guidance of the five planets uh, form with the sun and moon and seven rulers. Uh, each of the elements may also be yang or yin, or the combinations of all these of all these could produce broad number possibilities and astrological alternatives. Each, of course, has its symbol, which can be and often was incised into jade. Now, think about how confusing this is. All you got to do is follow one way. God gave them the tree of life. This is it. Eat from here. And you're good. A tree of knowledge of good and evil. Look at what it produces. Wood, earth, this and that. The seven sisters are here. And then you got this. Then you got to do this. I mean, so it's leading you all over the place. So how could your eye be single? You know how confusing that is? But this is what people want. Where did I say go? Ephesians 5. It's yeah. entertaining. Exactly. All right, uh, Ephesians 5 and 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. The reason I'm reading this is because I know they're going to tell me I'm judging. So let's see. Um, verse 8, for ye are sometimes darkness, but now ye are, ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So what are we doing? If you if you walk in righteousness, truth, and goodness, you are proving what is acceptable unto God. This will keep you off of a list like this, looking for all kinds of things that you think are godly. All right. So then it says in verse eleven, have no oh yeah, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, meaning expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved, that corrected and exposed, made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. 
Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So what I'm trying to explain to people here is, I'm not making fun of yin-yang. What I'm saying is, you got to recognize that these things have practices that are ungodly, that go against Christ. You're not supposed to live in a world of many possibilities. When people tell you um, variety is the spice of life, I was one person that used to promote that. You know, because they say, man, what kind of women you date? Variety is the spice of life, brother. I'm telling you now, that's a damnable lie from hell. All right? And it's not about people, but we are, we are supposed to be single-minded to see what is right. Mm -hmm. This is what keeps us knowing that we have a right hand because we have a left. You watch in another 20 years, they may say, guys, we got a new hand. And depending on the way you turn it, it could be right or it could be left. And, uh, you know, this part may be darker. And if the lines on your hand face north, south, east, and west, then this right hand is really your left. They're going to turn everything around to a degree that you're not going to know what's what. So Christ is going to be that shining light for us that sees everything that is in the dark. He's going to have to lead us. The truth is going to have to be wound up in us because this whole world is going to be upside down. This whole world. Let's go to Isaiah. Uh, like it is. Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Let's see what else I can pick apart in this. There's the Shushu occult practice. Uh, even the Masons, the Freemasons, you guys might remember this because I was still watching a little TV at this time. Do you remember um, when Miley Cyrus got on, I think it was the awards that went on, and uh, she came out there. You can tell she was high as a kite. She came out there dancing, and, and Robin Thicke was behind her with a black and white suit. That was that Masonic. Do you guys remember that? When she was backing up into his groin and he's dancing and she's doing her little thing. And what they were explaining, that was also a Masonic initiation in dualism. She was crossing over into, you know, because remember, she was also walking around with that thing on her hand. I remember that. Remember that? Part, yeah. She had like a, um, you know the thing that you get at um, sporting events? Oh, the Will they give you that big finger? Yeah. Well, that finger was supposed to represent a phallus symbol. Like, in other words, she was transgender. She was backing up into him, but she's holding this. He's wearing the black and white suit, speaking of dualism. Like, you know, there is no whatever. There, You know, everything is the same. So that was a Masonic initiation that was going on. Even in Freemason lodges, you see the black and white checkered floor. That represents the whole thing in dualism. All possibilities are open. No right, no wrong. Everything is what it is. And I'm not telling people to go and watch it unless they're, you know, really trying to. I mean, it was pretty perverse, but. Well, the only way that they make it big in Hollywood is that they do something perverse. Very perverse. And a lot of these rap videos, you'll even find the black and white checkered clothing. It's the same initiation and things that they're doing. That's just an enemy showing another way of how to see things. This is why What's Your Name says, I kissed the girl. Mm -hmm. And all this other stuff. That they're trying the song to, that made Katy Perry big was that one. Right. And they're trying to open everybody up to this relativism. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, like Aleister Crowley said, 
do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Yep. So this is what they do. I know you guys have been waiting on me. I'm like, all right, Isaiah 5 and verse 20. It says, What went to them that call evil good and good evil, uh, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So we understand here there's a darkness. There's that alienating of, of being away from the tree. And as you can see, if Isaiah is saying this in 700 B.C., these practices and things, this isn't the first time people have tried to call good evil and evil good. Mm -hmm. If we're being warned back then, then that ought to tell you that this is what's playing out today. They're trying to blank everybody's mind away from right and away from wrong. And I do want to get into um, this other thing here. But the Baphomet is what they want everybody to be. If you look at this thing, it's it's not human. Well, it's part human, part beast. It has breasts like a female. You know, it's got one hand up, one hand down, symbolizing as above, so below. This is a world of opposites. Notice it's black and white. You have um, here, like, you know, intertwining good and evil. One's dark, the other is light. And these things are supposed to go up like the kundalini force until it reaches where the star is, which is your eyes open. Your third eye, where you're able to see both the spirit realm and the physical world. But you get in the wrong way. You're not going through Christ. All right? So you look at one eye, it's light. The other's dark. And, you know, look at how people today, I, I heard in Oregon, I'll have to look it up, that bestiality is legal. And this is what I'm trying to explain to every person that's homosexual. It doesn't just end with you. Satan wants to take you further and further into sin, that this thing will just get crazy. You're going to see grown-ups with little kids, and someone is going to say this is right. So I want to ask anybody that, that's dealing in this, if you're homosexual, you may have a niece or a nephew. Okay, that you may love dearly, that's probably five years old. If you saw them walking with a 40-year-old man that said that he's their lover, and he's going to take them somewhere and be with them, even if that child wanted to go, would you be okay with this? Because, you know, it doesn't just end there. What would make this man's rights any different from yours? He may feel it's a right to have a young child, because the child loves me and I love them. So I want to ask them, what is right in this situation concerning yours versus theirs? We've got to cling to the word of God. Now, you know, when God, you know that these things are wrong. But if a pedophile wants a little kid, why are his rights any less than yours who wants to sodomize another? I mean, think about this. So God has to be where we base everything because everything is going to wound up mixed up. Everyone has a belief system. Everyone has a philosophy. Where, do this, where does it end? And you're going to see it's getting worse. Even for those people who are homosexual, that probably are well, good-intentioned people, even they will think that there are going to be things that are going to be so perverse, so corrupt, because it's not just going to end there. That was just the gateway to go further away from God, to turn your world upside down. Does that make any sense? I mean... um, Let's go to Colossians 2, verse 8. I want to get into a lot of what Jesus was saying, too. 
And, you know, I'm not trying to speak strong or hurt people, but the thing is, is, you know, when does the madness end? When does it ever just, guys, we've gone too far, don't you think? I remember a friend of mine was showing me a video that, no, uh, Mikkel sent me um, a link the other day saying that this woman is in love with her robot and wants to marry him. And, I mean, she's dead serious. When does it end? Now they're building sex robots for people that you can order and you can fall in love with this thing. And there are some people that, that would be addicted to this sort of thing. So dualism is nobody's friend. It's only to turn you into a baphomet. Well, build a bear. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> put the heart in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they give it a name, a birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's that bad. Colossians 2 and verse 8, and it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we understand here that when they talk about philosophy and vain deceit, everyone has a philosophy. Everyone has a way of life and how they live by their wisdom. We can't afford to have this because a person's beliefs are going to intrude on yours. They're going, you guys are going to overlap each other's beliefs. There are some people that think it's, it's wrong to kill animals, you know, to eat. But yeah, they got a pair of leather shoes. You were walking around with a mink coat. So my question is, where does it end? But the, this is people for you. And this is the only reason they're putting those bathrooms together. Uh, John 14. Unisex bathrooms? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you say Target has them now? Really? Or no? DCC has them, and they, like, celebrate what? their, like, total, like, being accepting of other sexualities like pieces yeah. yeah and that's that's community college that's the main community college and they're rolling out the programming right after high school like right there that is crazy man you know but people need to wake up and understand the devil is making a fool out of you he gave you variety but he only meant to destroy the image of god he doesn't care about your feelings he wants you to be a, a start sinner and not even recognizable before a righteous and everlasting God. That's the only reason he's doing it. Not for you. He's well, catering to, to your beastly nature. I talked to my dad last week as, you know, about North Carolina, not the governor, not, you know, bowing the knee and, and going along with the whole amalgamation of the bathrooms. And I said, you know, what it spawns is women getting raped or men getting raped. He said, it's already happened. And I said, people stand blindly until your daughter gets raped. He said, oh, it's, he said, it's already happened. You know, I mean, that's already happening anyways. So it's just like, it's so crazy that, you know, the governor of North Carolina said no, and Texas said no and uh, to that. Now, how can the love for one people destroy the lives of so many others and you don't even consider it? You don't think the devil's in control? Mm -hmm. You don't think, you, you think he cares about these kids? Because honestly, if I were transgender or I were gay, which I'm not, but if I were, I would be, you know what, guys, there's no big problem here. All right, we'll just have our bathroom. Let's leave the kids alone. Let's, you know, let's let everybody live their lives. If we really have so much love in us, like they claim, guys, don't even make any problems for anybody. All right, we just want to coexist, live our lives, 
let's just have our thing over here, okay? So everything will be fine. But see, that's not the spirit that's behind this so-called love. This is a spirit of takeover. This is a spirit of, man, I'm imposing my will on you, and I dare you to speak against what I'm saying. So, you know, what are they asking? Who is this God of yours? We got to stand on the truth. John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you uh, unto myself. That where I am, uh, there, there ye may be also. So this is the Lord telling us, hey, Jesus is the gateway, guys. These words may not seem a lot to you now, but he's the one that's preparing a place for you. There are no unbelievers beyond the grave. Right. All right. On this side of things, people can have their philosophies, believe whatever they want. On the other side, you know what they're like? You know what? Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's too late. You know, you're in hell and there's nothing you can do about it. Verse 4, And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye have known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him that have seen him. So like they said, in the fullness of God is Jesus Christ. All right? All of the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ. So in order for us to be full, we need Christ formed in us. But it says here, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So if he is the life, he's the tree of life. You don't accept the tree of life, you got the knowledge of good and evil. It never went anywhere. Instead of it just being in the garden, now it's sprouting up and spreading seeds everywhere. And man will stay fallen and more defiled. Let's move on. Anybody want to add anything? They can. If not, let's go to James 1. But you know, I think about that. You know, I think about the Lord when I go out and I speak to people. But I'm also considering, you know, those children that, you know, not saying anything and they got to live their lives. They got to come up in this world and you got everybody afraid of the devil. No one wants to speak up. No one wants to offend. Then how does anything get done if we call ourselves Christians? Remember these five things about the characteristics of a godly man. The first is lead, initiate, be a man of action, assume it is your job and your moment. Uh, hate apathy, reject passivity. And this is why I'm so against passivity. This is why I have such a problem with trying to act godly instead of being of God. Because when you act godly and you pretend like if I speak soft, then I'm a person of God. You're really kidding yourself because you can't go from that mode into war mode and speaking the truth and doing what's necessary because you're so love struck with trying to, you know, show love. You're not supposed to show love. You're supposed to have the love of God inside of you. He distributes it where it goes or where it should be. So then two, it says, speak out. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Uh, speak the truth in love. So, you know, that's another thing that we ought to do is 
You can't go into the mode of doing the will of God if people are telling you, don't offend, be passive. That was to cut the legs right off of the church. That was to cut the heart out of the church to do the will of God. Don't offend. You're judging. Don't judge. You know, it's not right. Okay, so if you don't judge, then what's the situation? The Bible never said not to judge. It said to speak against hypocritical judgment because the truth wouldn't be in you and God wouldn't be for you. If I'm doing something and God is, um, you know, telling me not to do it, who am I to tell someone else not to do it? The truth won't stand with me. All right, it says stand strong, don't give in when you are challenged, attack, attacked, or criticized. Then it says stay humble, be vigilant against pride, get the log out of your eye, um, don't think less of yourself, think of, um, think of yourself less. Again, because we've got to walk in the truth of Christ, we cannot be hypocrites. So it says to think of yourself less, think of Christ. This is what Christina was presenting as far as being more God conscious, worrying about him. Christ is right here with you. We've got to stand on this. We can't let it go. And this is five where it says, uh, serve the king, seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness, hope in the eternal, live for a greater reward. You know, so we are living to live again is why we're spreading the truth. But, you know, I've always hated bullies. And these are bully spirits that try and get people to adopt to their philosophies and their ways. All right. James 1 and 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So there can be no dark that lives in you when Christ is fully formed in you. Verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That means being tossed to and fro. You're all over the place. For let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And I want to say that any false religion, anything that is like this, is double-minded. You know, if you if you ever recognize the simplicity that is in Jesus, it's Christ direct. It's Jesus Christ. All right. The Bible makes clear, accept Jesus, get that one spirit, the Holy Ghost and live for the one true God. Now you go into all these other beliefs, you know, like um, Buddhism, you know, they talk about, you know, Buddha. But then I've heard them mention Buddha, then mention Brahma, then mention their own philosophies and the way that they live. So I'm like, okay, who's in charge here? You know, whose philosophy do you live by? Then you go into Hinduism, they got 300 million gods. So which one are you supposed to talk to? You know, which one do you develop a relationship with? Then even with Islam, you know, a lot of them adopted their ways from Christians. But even with them, they'll have, um, there's Allah that they believe. And then there is Muhammad as the prophet. But then they go and kiss the Kaaba stone, which is Ashtoreth. And a lot of people don't believe, but that goes all the way back to the Bible. Okay, so who's who here? You know, what's going on? So this is something that 
I'm just saying, and even in Buddhism, they believe in the divas. Remember? Remember we did the whole teaching. There's this whole thing with um, demons that are called divas that inspire men, give men strength, give them power. They're none other than demons. But um, this is where they get the term diva, even for Hollywood. You remember when these women become big and they become megastars, they are known as divas. Mm -hmm. Well, that term is old. They're almost calling themselves goddesses. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it's just one of those things. Um, so a double-minded man is unstable. Disney uses princesses. Mm -hmm. Almost all the princesses are mm -hmm. like the lead of something. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the pixies and all mm -hmm. that other stuff they do. The magic. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> James 3 and 13. But why a lot of people will disagree with me, and I'm not bashing any religion, the point I'm making is, is that... You know, a lot of these religions appeal to your lust, your intellect. You know, they make you feel good about what you do. But unless you have Christ, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, James 3 and 13, and it says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. So he's telling them that you may have you know, bitterness and envyings in your hearts and strife. But he's saying then, um, lie not uh, against the truth. Like in other words, I know that I have this in me. There needs to be a change in me. Let the Lord work with you. Recognize what is true even when you do wrong. Don't justify it. Mm -hmm. Verse 15, the wisdom, that this wisdom descendeth uh, not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So it's earthly first. It's earthly in nature. It's what you like. It's what, you know, um, is not from heaven. This is man's philosophy. And then it talks about sensual. So it taps into the senses. It gets into the soul. It makes you feel good about what you do, not versus what God wants. And then it's, and lastly, it's devilish. And then it says in verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Can you imagine what we just read about dualism? Imagine if that was your way of life, being uh, yin-yang. You'd be all over the place. What do you choose at what particular time? So he's saying that these things lead you into confusion and every evil work. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's nothing, one, no one thing to focus on. You live as you go. Mm -hmm. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That means it is pure of nature. You know, pure of truth, no lies, no deception, no multiple ways, then peaceable. Of course you'd be at peace. Your mind is not in chaos, you know, and then it's gentle and easy to be entreated, easy to be understood, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So that means it's right to the point. It's right where it needs to be. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. This is the simplest thing to do, but yet you got people that are in Catholicism in other countries, they'll walk on their knees for miles just to get to the cross, you know, legs bleeding. They'll whip themselves with scourges because they want to commemorate what Jesus Christ had done. All you've got to do is accept Christ, you know, give in to him, have him formed in you, and move on. But you see the confusion that is in all this other stuff, you know, trying to understand who's who. Yeah, that'll, that'll throw you all, 
Anyway, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I mean, this is the easiest thing to follow is Jesus Christ. Not only does he have all wisdom and knowledge, all that you need to know, he is all powerful, you know, and his mercy endures forever and his love. This is what you want. I mean, if you mess up, you have an advocate with Christ to get it right with the Father. You have a full-time attorney that will represent you in the highest court of the land to tell him, Dad, he's with me. He's coming along. He's growing. He's learning. Give him a chance. But Muhammad said on his um, towards his death, I don't know where I'm going. That's written in the Quran. We, we covered that in that study. I don't even know where I'm going. You know, don't follow me. Even Buddhism, don't follow me. Follow my, follow the way. What is the way? Okay, the way is whatever I say it is. That's crazy. I mean, think about it. You guys are like, all right, man, calm down. <laughs> but I'm just saying how, you know, it is Matthew 13 and 24. Of course, we never get to cover everything, but I do want to read this. Because this is important, not all of it. This is the common core curriculum, Satanism in our schools. This is what they're, I'm talking about, common core. I learned of it recently about what they do and what they're trying to turn everyone into. This is going to be the beginning of all hell breaking loose in the young people's lives and everything. Have you guys ever heard of it, common core? Yeah. You've heard of it. All right, check this out. It says, it has come to this, little children are now being taught Satanism in schools and encouraged to masturbate in the classroom uh, by their teachers. Lord, you know I'm not trying to paint the picture here, I'm just trying to expose the truth, so forgive me for anything that, you know. So it says, these heavily medicated and dumbed down kids without their parents' knowledge or consent are being systematically turned into sex perverts and serial killers of the future. Now, this is this person's perspective. I see it getting this bad, but I'm not insulting anybody. I'm just trying to bring forth the truth. These children don't know how to add or subtract. They don't know if the world is flat or round. And most people don't know that. You know what that's I'm a, talking that's about. A big right oh, now. yeah, that's totally. Big debate, uh, but I stand with the word of God. <laughs> you know? But it says, um, uh, I knew Vinny knew what I was talking about. Uh, they don't know uh, where the uh, Atlantic Ocean is, and they can't find America on a world map, but they know how to use a dildo. Little girls are being given detailed instructions how to strip and strap on these artificial parts, I'm going to say parts, uh, which they are, are then told to insert into women's parts or little girls' parts. Um, sixth graders aged 11 and upward who like themselves are presumably ready for the raptures of sapphic sex. Sappho, um, they're talking about Sappho. Have you guys ever heard of Sappho? She was in Greek philosophy as a lesbian. You know, they would call them the daughters of Sappho. They had a movement out here not too long ago. But they are, she was like a, a woman, a philosopher that was a lesbian that promoted uh, lesbian activity. So when you have sapphic sex, they're speaking of Sappho. Where these uh, beginner lesbians are um, expected to practice their sex games for let's not be killjoys and call their innocent erotic pastimes perversions, it is altogether clear. 
Shocking images of the classroom in Nebraska, we are told in a controversial new article, illustrate how 11 and 12 year olds in sixth grade are being taught under new federally mandated Common Core educational um, standards how to use um, strap-ons. I'll just say that. Uh, the pictures were uh, taken by a student with a cell phone camera. Uh, they show a teacher demonstrating how to use a strap-on sex toy in a number of different possessions. In one image, the teacher even showed how to insert the strap-on uh, while her butt was in the air and her legs up. Um, in another image, the woman shows the children how to wear a harness that attached to the strap-on. Newly implemented Common Core educational standards have been assailed for uh, their attempt to create a lowest common denominator uh, from the teachings, which, may, uh, which many assert only works to dumb down lessons and prevent smart students from excelling. But these images give a glimpse into the even darker side to the federally mandated rules. These secrets of the Fed website uh, also points a book uh, being given to fourth graders under new Common Core standards entitled It's Perfectly Normal, uh, which, which teaches children as young as nine how to masturbate. All right, so this is the definition of Common Core uh, euphemism uh, for let's corrupt the kiddies and turn them into little sex machines is being uh, federally imposed on states across the nation it is nothing less than mind pollution of um, minors cunning disguised as teachers. Its opponents assert that it will not only uh, eviscerate, like in other words, remove critical thinking and lower educational standards, but create adults who are little more than zombies. And that's why we can run into people that graduate from college and you say to yourself after talking to them, how, the, how did you graduate from college? You know, I mean, and these people got degrees. I mean, like a master's. And I'm like, this guy don't know his ABCs because it's all about getting you in debt. But that's another subject. The basic rules of logic of mathematics are also being turned on their heads. As the Orwell's great uh, novel 1984, where the protagonist Winston Smith was finally forced to acknowledge that two plus two was five. Did you guys ever see that movie? Because I never did. 1984, yeah, it's it called. A, he wrote the book first, and then the movie was made. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it says, pupils in American schools today are being subjected to similar absurdities. Perhaps the most infamous uh, example of how Common Core has manifested itself in American schooling system was illustrated by a bizarre video in the Common Core curriculum director. I think they actually have this. Um, that said that uh, three times four is 11 could be considered a correct answer so long as students could complain, I mean, could explain how they reached that number. So if I have a philosophy that tells me that three times four is 11, then that's good to go. Why? Because you're thinking outside of the box. This is the whole thing with relativism, relativism and um, dualism. It's just blurring the lines of what is good and what is bad. And I know they're about to do it because I, I attended a meeting a month ago about this, that they're going to bring it to the schools. So they don't care about dumbing down the kids. Well, they're already bringing Satanism into the schools, after-school clubs, even in Portland. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's weird. Yep. Uh, this says, uh, the same in Alice in Wonderland is transferred 
to the um, sphere of ethics could have bizarre consequences if explaining how you arrived at an incorrect answer is equivalent to arriving at the correct answer, then explaining um, you can <laughs> how you came to the wrong thing, uh, commit murder is equivalent to doing the right thing, not committing murder. You see how dualism is even the, the way that they even push abortion? Oh, it's just a little ant. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It's not murder. The, the baby is not even developed. We covered that. But dualism even plays its role there, relativism. All right, so it says, um, applied of the same twistic logic, uh, you can be model citizen even if you are a serial killer, provided you can give a rational explanation to why you like killing people. Common Core's uh, sex education standards have also faced fierce criticism, with one group even claiming that they represent pornography, which uh, serves... Uh, to desensitize children and increase their chances of sexual molestation. What is taught includes teaching inappropriate sexuality uh, skills, writes Joseph R. John. So when you want to get mad, get mad at Joseph R. John. I'm just repeating this here. According to child psychologists, children are not mentally equipped to receive sexual indoctrination in kindergarten. They are being indoctrinated in sexual practices they should never be exposed to. I agree. Of one thing we can be certain, the perversion lobby will win in the end. They always do. Now, this is true. This is why homosexuality is now legal. This is why bestiality is legal in countries, and these things are going on. They're pushing down God, and they're lifting up the beast nature. And this rings so loud with Revelation 13. At the end, those who will receive the mark have the name of the beast or the number of his name. They got the title and they have the nature of the beast because this is what's being pushed now. This is a beast nature of a beast system that they're programming everybody to get into. So kids are being turned into animals all by themselves. Uh, one last thing and then we'll move on. I'll ask Martin to put this up. But this stuff is out of control. Uh, matter of fact, let's go to, uh, well, you guys said to go to, uh, you guys were there. Uh, I just want to read this and then I'll continue on. I'm not going to hold you guys too much longer. There's just so much to cover with this stuff. And I want people to have an understanding. If you don't think that Satan is the God of this world, then your eyes are just not open. Yeah. You don't want to see it. All right. Um, Matthew 13, verse 24, another parable put forth the kingdom put forth unto the kingdom, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like, an, like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So you see, the enemy never changes tactics. Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. An enemy came in and placed tares among the seed. Then it says, and while men, uh, um, verse 26, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household that came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then uh, hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then um, that will go and gather them up? But he said, Nay lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both um, 
let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles um, to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So you can see Jesus is not for that which is wrong, associating with that which is right. The only reason they're talking about having them together. Now, there is a system of if you pull up tares early. Now, this is speaking of farming that you will yank up some of the wheat, too. But when the wheat is right and the tares reveal who they are fully, then you can pull them up. So this is God's grace and mercy on all the things that I'm sitting here speaking about, trying to tell people, get it together. Right now you may be a tear, but one day you may be wheat. If you give your life to God, you become productive. You can be pulled into the kingdom. Right here, it's too early to tell who's who. Because if we just looked around the world at all people that we talked to, you know, it would just look like hell, 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 heaven maybe. Hell, heaven, <laughs> hell, hell. You know, because you're looking at people and you're thinking that this is what they are. Right. But if they started that count when I was about up until the age of 30 or 35, they would have told me, hell, hell. You know, so you never know who's going to come to Christ, who's going to give their lives to Christ. But one thing is for sure, the wheat and the tares don't share the same faith. They are separate and God is going to deal with them as such. And they have to be separated eventually. That's right. Matthew 6. Alright, this says, groomed for pedophilia by the state. This is all under Common Core. Our children have already undergone sexualization to, the, to an alarming degree. The average child's uh, first exposure to pornography is at the age of 11. Crystal Renard, or Renard, uh, who has um, to write a book about her struggle with porn addiction, became addicted to, to pornography at the age of 11. She writes porn, masturbation, cyber sex, webcam sex, phone sex, anything you could think of. I watched, experienced, and I enjoyed. No matter how many times I said I would stop, I would just keep doing it. Now, why would she keep doing it? Because demons like porn. So while you think you're sitting there watching porn alone, you got the demons there, you know, sipping on a soda, you know, enjoying what's happening. So lust is the appetite of demons expressed through humans. And when we recognize that these things are not of God and it's not you that's really in this, man, you'll want to seek the Lord so you can clean these things out of your life. But if you think of the whole thing with the Internet, kids having cell phones, now we may look at it for convenience. I can look up anything. I can see what's in the area. I can use it. But you see the tree of knowledge of good and evil? You gave the information of good and evil into the hands of a kid, into the hands of a society that don't know God. So what are they going to do with it? I'd use mine to look up scriptures. This is how I've learned a lot about scripture. But think about what the devil will do to someone who's an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. say, man, now you got porn at your hands, buddy. So everything has to be governed by God in order to walk this thing out right. Because all the devil did was give Adam and Eve a cell phone. Okay, and I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to be funny but serious too. He gave them the internet. Guys, you figure this out. If you find a religion on there you like, tap into it and, and study it and see. Oh, you guys like sex? Well, you can go here and get anything you want. And you don't need God to operate this. You can learn on your own and become your own God. This is all Satan offers us is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
That is what you have outside of God. All of it. All right, so um, we're talking about porn addiction. I'll just go on to Matthew 6 and get this over with. But um, Matthew 6, it will start at verse 19. All right, it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where wrath and moth, doth, <laughs> moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do uh, not break through nor steal. For, um, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now check this out from 22 to 24. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body is full of light. So, you know, we just talked about what to put before your eyes before we started this. But if the light in the body is the eye, that means in that which you see can either make you light or make you corrupt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's saying, um, all right, eye be single, then the whole body is full of light. If your one eye, if your eyes are focused on Christ and Christ only, man, the light of God will pour through to you. This is pretty much what he's saying. Look at verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If, there, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, then how great is that darkness? Think about it. If your inspiration comes through dualism, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, through whatever practices that you think are so good for you, if this is the light that is in you, Imagine how great the darkness really is, because this is what you based your life, your life in darkness. This is what, you know, my philosophy, my understanding of the way things are. And that's the only light that I have. Can you imagine how dark my world is? And that's why a Christian is considered rude, because here we come with the LED light. Hey, you in there? Hey, come on out. Hey, man, get that light out of my face, because the light is just so bright. That's bringing forth so much truth that this world can't comprehend it. This world is in darkness. So he's asking, and this is why he says in 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else uh, he will hold to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So of course he was talking about money here, but he's also speaking of serving two masters. All of these religions have more than one master. And they're not even on the right path anyways. Mm -hmm. So imagine how dark that is. Yep. I thank the Lord that I grew up in a Baptist church. Everything wasn't right. And I'm not defending the Baptist. But thank the Lord that I knew something about Jesus that I may want to have a relationship. Because mm -hmm. when you live this world outside of Christ, mm -hmm. oh man. I mean, this is why you got Catholics and Jehovah Witnesses. Jehovah Witnesses will sit out there all prim and proper all day long. And they think that they're being godly and saying godly things. And, you know, like, man, these people have got to be Christians. But the stuff that they believe in is so far from Jesus that, I mean, it's like that is the darkness that is their life. It's like the Pharisees, isn't it? Exactly. They know everything about the law. They mm -hmm. have, like, lives that are, you know, they're not going into sin, as we mm -hmm. know. But, like, at the same time, they don't have any... Um, love for the people who follow Jesus, you know, are trying to get it right, work it out. Exactly. 
And, you know, they've even tried to pull a thing with women pastors. It don't make a difference. We all represent the Lord. And they, they allow women to be pastors in churches and things. And the Bible says, you know, about being single-eyed, we have to see it the way God sees it. If a woman cannot hold the office of a pastor, then leave it at that. But look at what comes in when you allow it. Jezebel just walks in and takes over the pulpit. Yep. That's pretty much what it is because it's not of God, you know. So you get some big burly woman, you know. It don't make no difference. God loves everybody, and I can preach. I was called to preach. Hey, read this Bible. Then they get mad and want to throw you out. But this is where relativism even sinks into the church. And we have to be single-minded, focused on Christ, and doing what he says. Uh, Luke uh, 10 and 38. What time is it? Oh, look. And we'll close from here, but you know, people gotta understand the depths of dualism. It's not just an Eastern philosophy, it's all over the world, be it sexuality, you know, education, mm -hmm. you name it. No matter what it is, yeah. this spirit is, is uh there. Well, and like has been taught on before about the whole freedom of religion, that wasn't to allow Christianity to be taught abroad. No. So eventually Christianity would be kicked out the door because freedom of religion allows you to believe in that's right. whatever you want to believe in and that's how Satan got his foothold in the door. That's why I told people don't don't bring no don't bring a constitution to me talking about we need to defend it. If you see Jesus Christ anywhere in the Constitution, I'll defend it. They'll say one religion under God. Okay, so who is God? They left it so open that we thought, oh, it must mean Jesus. No, they just said under God, one God. Who was God? We learned later it was Satan because of freedom of religion. That wasn't for the Christian. That was for all the um, pagan groups that would come over after. All right, uh, verse 38, it says, uh, Luke 10 and 38. Now it came to pass as they went uh, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had her sister uh, called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So Martha thought by doing work for the Lord, it was the same as relationship. Oh no, buddy, you got to have the relationship first and then seek other things. Most of these religions, especially in dualism, they are works-based because people are always trying to prove their point and who they are and their philosophies and things that they live. So you need to stay focused on Christ and know who he is. Revelation 2, and then we're going to do Jude 1, and then we're done. Can't talk forever. Well, there's only one Jude, but... We're at Revelation right now, right? Yeah, Revelation 2. 
we'll start at um, I hate when I don't put something down right okay um, I think we're going to start at uh, Revelation 3 sorry it's 3 and uh, verse 14 A lot of people that say Christians are uncompromising, even coming from Christians, you're going to find out how uncompromising Jesus is. He doesn't have to compromise. He is the way. He is the truth. That's right. All right. Revelation 3 and 14, and it says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, Jesus Christ. Verse 15 I know thy works, that thou art neither hot, cold, nor hot. I would um, that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowing not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and a white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes and, uh, with thyself, like to clear your eyes, that thou mayest see. So this is what the Lord wants for his people. This is what he's calling for us to do. Seek Christ. And I, I don't care what religion you're in, if you come upon this video, I'm not making fun of you. But you can't be cold, you can't be hot. I mean, well, you got to be hot. You can't be cold and you can't be lukewarm. But God would even prefer that you choose one or the other. But one thing is for sure, it's not relativism. When people accept this mark of the beast, they're going to know that it's allegiance to Satan. You can't be tricked into taking this. This ain't going to fall among the lines of, well, it's gray. If you take it, everything will be fine and, you know, whatever. No, it's going to be, hey, do you realize that you are making an allegiance to Satan? You are choosing that which is dark. You are not going to choose Jesus Christ here. Do you want the mark? You're going to have to know what this is because God won't violate your free will. So of all these people that want to stay in relativism, it's all going to get single. Satan only brought relativism to confuse the world. But Satan has always wanted to be God. So he's going to demand that your eye be single. But it ain't going to be for, um, for God. It's going to be for him. So he threw that whole veil of gray everywhere and everybody's feeling around in the dark, you know. But when it comes time for him to take his stand and when he has total rulership on the earth, he's going to turn that single again. It's me or death, buddy, you know. And people are going to recognize this false religion is what led me here, you know. So uh, from here, let's go on to Jude 1 and we'll end it. It was one Jude. I keep saying Jude 1. We'll end with Satan. Um, he doesn't want to serve humans. He wants humans to serve him. That's right. You know, and that's part of why I got kicked out of heaven. And that's right. the Lord, like Jesus served us, you know, he was lowly. That's mm -hmm. the way. Like, what kind of, I mean, who do you want to serve? Do you want to be enslaved and chained and bondage and serving, mm -hmm. being controlled by Satan? Or do you want to be serving the Lord with your own free will? Exactly. Exactly.
You're so right. And I mean, you know, a lot of people are not going to go for it. A lot of people are just going to, Jesus is trying to save everyone's life. And we won't even let the waiter serve us. We go into a restaurant. We want to do it ourselves. He said, well, you can't go in the kitchen, so I don't know what you're going to be eating. You know, it's either accept my service or leave. All right, this is Jude 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in in Jesus Christ um, and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained uh, to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what you see going on. These men crept in, you know, and turned people's eyes away from Christ unto themselves or something else. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards, destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. So, you know, these angels thought in relativism too. I can be with God, but I can also go down and have a little fun on earth. And you see where they wound up? God doesn't play that. They left their own habitation to go elsewhere. Verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering and vengeance of eternal fire. Strange flesh would be like flesh that you're not supposed to desire. Okay, this would, they're speaking of homosexuality here. So, you know, Jew covers every part of this relativism. Verse 8, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak um, evil of dignities. So they're also talking about people that are driven and enticed by their own lust, you know, and doing that which they want to do. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. So here is Michael fighting over um, the body of Moses with Satan. Satan wanted to take this body and make it an image. Hey, guys, you should worship Moses, too. You know, Moses is your God. So the Lord had Michael take it and bury it, you know, and move elsewhere with it. But Michael himself, even though he is an archangel, did not face Satan on his own. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He went back to the authority where the authority was because a cherub is not going to obey an archangel. He's higher in rank. But the point is, is he said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 10. But these uh, speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast in those things they corrupt themselves. You see that? So these people that think that yin-yang is okay, relativism is good, I've got my philosophy, my way, God is calling them beasts, that they know not the truth and they speak in ignorance. 
the things they don't understand, and they corrupt themselves. Verse 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, uh, for reward and perished uh, in the gainsaying of Kor. So, you know, gainsaying, speaking against the word, speaking against God. They chose Cain's way, which is earthly. Remember, he was a tiller of the ground. Abel took care of the sheep. So this is a different type of nature that seeks after relativism. They're not seeking God. Verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit wither are without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So these are all people that are not clinging to God. They're clouds without water. You're just existing. No life. No true life. Verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So you want to be a wandering star? You don't want to follow after Christ? The only place for you is out of darkness, hell. Verse 14, and Enoch said, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their uh, hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against God. Keyword, ungodly. Verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So these people are going after their own lust. Verse 17, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Look at verse 19. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. So what are these people catering to? That which they are familiar with, that which makes them feel good. They're dealing in their five senses, natural-minded, carnal-minded. And you see, they don't have the spirit because sensuality is what separated them. That's what separated Eve and Adam, uh, verse 20. But ye, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, unto eternal life. That means never giving up. 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others are saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So, you know, the Lord wants us to be rid of this flesh, unspotted, without blemish, doing that which he calls us to do. Now, for those people that think this is impossible, read 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. So it's all about the Lord. It's all about his way. Regardless of what sensuality comes upon us, 
We need to hearken unto the Lord. The devil has done this in the Garden of Eden. He deterred Adam and Eve from what was real life, what was perfection. He drew them from perfection into their own lust, into variety, into them taking care of themselves. And the world has struggled with this ever since. Mm -hmm. All right. And their biggest problem is this right here. Guys, don't go there. I'm closing. But this is uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So these people need to seek Christ, and this is the Lord's attempt to shine unto you. Anybody in relativism, anybody seeking the tree of life, I mean a tree of knowledge of good and evil, anyone into their own world, that wants to do it on their own. The only faith for you is a lake of fire. I'm telling you guys this in love. You need to seek Christ. Mm -hmm. You need to learn what his way is. Forsake your own lust. And know what it is to truly be born again. And be of the spirit of Christ. So we can have eternal life. And be with the Lord forever. Anyone has anything to add? They can. If not, Sarah will pray up. I just want to add that. Yeah. Um we went over a lot of things that just like kind of deter you from focusing on your faith but the biggest thing is if you have those things going on in your life um don't let the devil make you feel bad or guilty or ashamed of them but really focus on the answer which is christ and building a relationship with christ he has to be your number one priority and focus and stay disciplined in him because as soon as you veer and look at all the things you did wrong that's like where you start directing towards that's where you'll start going it's like a race car driver like they look at the wall, they go towards the wall. If you look straight at Christ, mm -hmm. like, you know, the path forward, the narrow path forward. That's true. Guilt is good, too. <laughs> but shame, um, guilt, is, we should feel at times because mm -hmm. that will bring about correction. When you hurt, you don't yeah. want to go through that again. Mm -hmm. But Christine is right. The focus is to be on Christ because the devil will lead you into shame mm -hmm. and start pulling you down. But the main thing is, like, like she just said, we need to stay focused on Christ. So I totally agree with that. But, you know, a lot of people feel, too, that, you know, you're not supposed to feel guilt. We've got Christ as a remedy. So here comes relativism. I'm going to do all I want and then come back and pray and ask God to forgive me. Knowing what I'm doing, but I'm going to constantly do it my way and then come back and do what he wants. And then it's just like, you know, you're kidding yourself. So it, it's true, though. All right. So I guess Sarah will pray out and um, we're done. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight. And I want to thank you again for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us. Lord, because you've never broken our promise with us, you've never left us. And Lord, you have showed us all abundant grace and mercy for not taking us in our sin, for giving us chance after chance and opportunity after opportunity to get our lives right with you. To see the truth in your gospel, Lord. And to also see that Satan, Lord, this is his kingdom. And all the evil thereof that's in it. And how, Lord, you want us so desperately to go out and to preach and teach your gospel to others. To have you fully formed in us. To have you birthed in us, Lord. And I'm praying that you will help us. Lord, that anything that we are doing in our lives that's not of you, that keeps us from having that 
relationship with you, Lord, that keeps us from getting to that level of perfection. That in the name of Jesus, for you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we could heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes and deaf ears, and speak in new tongues. That we could do these things, Lord, if we would have the faith and the belief to move forward in you. That with the time that we have left, Lord, to show forth your power to this world. Because we don't know how much time that we have left before persecution is going to start, Lord. And I know that you want us to be as the soldiers of the army of God. That when these things happen, Lord, that when these things start, we will not be taken back by it. We will not be shaken in our faith. But help us, Lord, to seek the gifts that you have for us, Lord, your will in our life that we will fight our way into the kingdom of heaven because the one thing that Satan wants to do, Lord, is get us off track. Lord, he wants us not following you. And he, do he doesn't want us telling others about you, Lord. But we have to have that fire burning in us because there have been so many false prophets and doctrines gone out into the world today, Lord, that if we preach the truth in Jesus Christ, although we be trying to turn the world right side up, the enemy wants us, he wants the world to look at it as we are turning it upside down, but we are turning it right side up for you, Lord Jesus Christ. So with the time that we have left, I'm praying, Lord, that we will all have you grounded and rooted in us, that we not have any fear of what the enemy can do to us, Lord. That we will preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. That we take the body of Christ with us. Lord, that if you tell us to talk to somebody at work, let us not fear losing our job because you will sustain us. Because you are our provider and only strong tower. Let us place our trust in you, Lord. Let us want to take up our cross and follow you to live right in your sight in everything that we do. This may be foolishness to the world. But Lord, the world is not going to save our souls. It is only by believing in you. It's only by doing what you've called us to do, Lord. A good tree bringeth forth good fruit. And if it doesn't, Lord, it is hewn down and cast into the fire. So help us, Lord. Help us to draw our strength from you. Help us to draw our wisdom from you, Lord. To be set apart, sanctified, Lord, purified. That we stay humble and willing vessels to do what you've called us to do, Lord. To go into the promised land, no matter what giants stand at the door. Lord, if you have carried us thus far. If you have carried us thus far, Lord. If you have sustained our needs. Lord, then give us that fire, give us that boldness, that Thank courage, you. that yes. we will not compromise our faith. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we are living in some evil times. And the only true joy and only peace that we have is to know, Lord, that no matter what happens, that we will be with you in the kingdom one day, Lord, if we stand for you in everything that we do so help us lord jesus christ in everything that we do to take on this spiritual warfare that's going on around us by taking on the full armor of god because that is our defense against the enemy thank you jesus i thank you again lord for all the things that you've done for us let us be those temples 
holy vessels fit for the master to use. Let all men of thought and conversation glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Guide and direct and lead us into your truth and into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.